Welcome to the Atlaran Adventuring Company. This is the world of Atlaran. We've entered the early stages of an industrial age that has begun taming the wilderness across the world. And while progress brings solutions, it also brings new and more complex problems, and tends to pick at old wounds left unhealed. The first trains have begun to run in the north along with airships, but the long-ignored issues of stolen land, pollution, and deforestation have begun to fester, to name only a few. But our focus and our second story is on one small group of new allies and their own struggles and battles against a changing, dangerous world. Our particular window in time falls 500 years after the Calamity and the Great Shattering of Harris. With any luck, this story will resonate across time like the last. Christmas Fortune Mayor, a dodgy charlatan formerly of the Jade Street Crows Gang, but he doesn't remember that part of his life. With a five-year memory gap and having only recently rediscovered friends he'd forgotten, Christmas is suddenly on a dangerous path left by his former self. Thankfully, he's a master of charm, theatrics, and disguise, and when those don't work, he has found family that, whether he remembers them or not, will fight to the last beside him. Magda Renly, a professional mercenary and member of the revered title clan of Monster Hunters. With a wasting curse weighing on her shoulders that can't be dismissed by normal means, Magda has been left to search for an unconventional cure. Now, she's found herself with a group of allies she didn't ask for, and friends whose love she doesn't understand. Years of dealing with regret, ill health, and distrust have left her slow to ask for help. Noah Barago, a cheery alchemist from Reese's Ridge and son of a well-known engineer and apothecarist. Noah's upbringing was colorful, to say the least, leading to his expertise in potions and mechanical contraptions. He's out in the world to find new ideas and support the family business. But now, he's stumbled into a pile of issues that most rich kids from the suburbs just don't deal with. But in his own words, usually with a gun and a grin leveled at the current problem, don't you worry there, guy, everything's gonna be hunky-dory. Thustrak Wildborn, a wandering warrior from the Nathar clan and student of the runic battle traditions of the giant kin. Raised by folk who believed in the survival of the fittest, but refused to adapt to the modern world, Thustrak left the clan to seek outside knowledge to hopefully bring home one day. He is set on helping his people survive, even if they are stuck in their old ways and don't realize how badly they need his insight. It's a me, we're alive. Yeah, hello everybody and welcome to the Atlaran Adventuring Company. I am your Dungeon Master Taylor Wallace and joining me, I have, thank you, uh, I have Astrid Knight. Tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Astrid Knight. You can find me everywhere at Astrid K. Writes or on my website astridknight.com. I wrote a book, it's called Perception Check, uh, book one of the mages of Elmira Saga. It's right here and there and everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you can order it now, wherever your fine books are sold. Uh, that's it. Okay, cool. Uh, Blake! Blake Hi! Blake. 
My name is Blake R. Wolf. You can find me at blakerwolf.com. Uh, there's an E on the end of Wolf. And uh, I've written 12 fantasy books. I'm not going to hold them up. Here's one of them. Oh my God, one just came out yesterday, two days ago. Sorry, whatever. There's a bunch of them. They're gay and D&D. Go buy them, please. Thank you. Bye. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, we've got Zach Gale. Hi, I have a book coming out in October. It's called Some Empty Houses Might Really Be Haunted. I'm revealing the book cover tomorrow. Uh, and uh, you can find me basically everywhere at Zachary G. Author. Ben, did you On Twitter and my website. Oh, I'm sorry. Blake R. Wolf on Twitter or website or whatever. You can just do. I yeah. don't care. Just search B-L- me. B-L-A-K-E-R- I have like three pages of Google results, so... Uh, oh wow! We have our long-suffering stream master Zach. <laughs> it's a me. That's my Twitter. Uh, I have bad news. We didn't save Lorcan, so I guess we're all homophobic. Uh, we're all. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I want to apologize real quick. That I don't have a bit, so this is all I'll say. I want to apologize for the last two streams. We haven't had the level eleven character stats up yet. Um, so if you've been wondering where those are, uh, I finally sorted out my issues with oh. Cyberlink Power Director. And I have those made, and those will appear during the stream today. Uh, Taylor, how about sponsor. you? How about yourself? Hello, everybody. My name is Taylor Wallace. As I said, Hi. your dungeon master, IY, and uh, <laughs> editor at one point or another for our illustrious authors. Uh, you can find me at Taylor Wallace, T A I Y. Hi, Y. L-O-R-W-A-L-L-A-C-E. Make sure you misspell Taylor, or you will never find me. Uh, all of our links are in our link tree on screen or in the descriptions wherever you're watching. Uh, if you are listening, that link is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash at Lauren Adventuring Co. And if you like our stream and want to support us, uh, you can check out the Redbubble link and keep an eye out for our upcoming book based on the opening of the Sleeper campaign, our first campaign, uh, set in the in-world year 200, leading up to the founding of the Obsidian Collective. Uh, it, uh, it, it, it follows some characters that actually never made it to stream. So some stuff, some stuff that even watchers don't know. Spoilers. Yeah. Oh, not everybody makes it. Not everybody makes it. For one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Mostly uh, the reason being that Ben chose to play a wild magic source. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but we are nearing the end of writing and should have pre-order and release announcements before long. Um, yeah, that's the intro. Alright, let's fucking do this. Uh, so last time uh, y'all were in fucking Feywild. We're having a great old time. Um, Feywild. Feywild. Uh, but yes, last game, episode 41, uh, One Less Fire. Uh, you guys started out, split up, uh, doing your own thing. Sala and Chris recovering from a very traumatic incident. Um, but uh, along the way, uh, Magda had a dream from Lorcan, asking where she went, why he couldn't see her anymore, nor could Sav. Uh, Gwyn and Magda had a little talk about Magda's very dangerous tendencies to put other people in danger, but you know. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Noah 
got a uh, letter from Vesper that told you some more time had passed in Atlarn than the Feywild, uh, and told you that the the Obsidian Collective that the Obsidian Collective had gathered up, uh, brought in Leon and uh, Marceline, and Leon had been stripped of his, or you found out later that he was stripped of his abilities. Um, let's see. Christmas did some legend loring on uh, Roan Mornile and the Ace of Spades. Uh, you guys were, uh, you guys got a second to identify the effigy of concealment, the creepy little doll you got, which is protecting you from divination and scrying. Uh, Christmas uh, got some uh, fun little memories back. Specifically one that might lead you to Petrada, uh, Lorcan's mother. Uh, Noah finished his lantern. And then uh, eventually Flameheart came to you guys and reported that indeed Leon had been stripped of his bearership. And Flameheart was on a leave of absence from the Obsidian Collective to recover from the ordeal. Uh, and you guys talked him into going rogue and staying with you. So, uh, <laughs> among other details from last session, uh, we are opening on day three in the Feywild. You don't know what day it is, Lauren. Uh, you guys have seven days of downtime ahead of you. Because in seven days, Morrigan is reascending to her full godhood. Is so, this still sad day, or is this the next day? Uh, every day is sad day in Atlaren. That's actually, I mean, this much. would be... Yeah. Very I think we'll open on the following day, because everybody was pretty fucking worn out. And also, it was already fairly late in the evening when Flameheart got there. So we'll open in the morning. Oh, I see little Xena in the background. Yeah, We can see her now, because yeah. your room is brighter. There's actually light in your house now. Right? <laughs> I have an east and a uh, north-facing window now. Uh... But um, uh, yeah, who's so, who's got stuff? I need at least three days. Or we're going to start with three days. Yes, Bill. Okay, three days. Yes. I am going to make some potions and make one potion per day. Um, I Will I have time to go into town and see if I can get a hold of some uh, of the shit I need for frost breath? Potion. So this is actually a question that I meant to ask you ahead of time. Uh, Coop has plans to go back to Amatothelion on the second day. Okay, cool. Does everybody else want to go with him? Um, I did yes. offer to buy more incense uh, if Christmas that's, needs that's it. That's not the question I asked. I need well, a yes no, or no. <laughs> I'm saying that I, I would go to be able to help with that. Okay. Also, probably not the worst idea to have everyone in the main group go with into a Modithelion just so that yeah. we have Effie with us the whole time. I can't believe okay. I'm using its name. Mm. Is, everybody, <laughs> is everybody good with that? Going back yeah, to Yeah, I mean, I guess I have to go because I'm like 
the number one person who Effie needs to. I mean, I, I can hate just leave you too. with the doll. <laughs> I can just leave the doll with you. Yeah, but I don't want it to like. What if he gets the bright idea of like spying on you guys? So I don't want to do that. So we should we should all stick together until Effie mm. is. Spoken yeah, like a coward. Uh, so in that case, um, for the first day, what is everybody doing? Okay, I would like to make a potion. Yep. I already did the three for the three days, so I'll just assume that I made a potion for those days. Um, and I do want to have a talk with Flameheart. Um, but okay. other than that, I don't have anything crazy. All right. Uh, yeah, let's actually get into that. Um, so okay. with Walter's mansion on the shores of Barrow Lake, uh, you guys have a pretty safe spot to chill out, do whatever you need to do, and you have access to all the facilities. Um, in between talking with some of you guys, uh, Flameheart is kind of wandering, like mm-hmm. mostly just thinking. You can tell that he's not just wandering aimlessly. He's keeping the rest of himself busy while his mind is just racing. Um, But yeah, Noah, you'll be able to find him uh, on the first day wandering around uh, Walter's garden. Okay. So uh, just remind me real quick. When they were talking to him, he was his general mood was like feeling kind of hopeless, wasn't it? And like, he was going to break away from the collective. Um, that wasn't his initial intent. He, he's sort of like, it's not full on like grieving because he didn't lose Leon, but he lost the old Leon. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it can never be the same again. Uh, and of course, the Obsidian Collective had to kill a woman, even though she was guilty, they had to kill her to save Leon. Um, but uh, he is... He's not a person to necessarily mope around. He's more pensive. Um, but by the time you find him this particular day, he seems much more... Um, not angry, but like he's starting to get into the um, the like determination as he realizes he has options. Okay. Um, so he's he's just very deep in thought when we find him. Okay. <clears throat> um, so I'm actually going to lead him out of Walter's mansion. Okay. Yeah, and we're gonna take we're on the edge of a lake, aren't we? Yep. Okay, we're going to take a walk around the lake to, like, there's a wooded area nearby or anything like that? I mean, it's the Feywild. There's woods everywhere. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just going to tell him to come with me because I have, like, I, uh, there's something I wanted to show you. Maybe something a bit more practical than what you're used to. Okay. Or maybe not more practical than you're, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has no problem following you. So... Uh, I guess I'll just uh, talk to him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so, you know, it kind of sounds like you're uh, feeling sort of bad about things that have been happening. And, 
you know, there's, you know, you kind of, I don't know, you kind of sound like you're blaming yourself a little bit. I don't know if it's particularly your fault, but, you know, walk me through what you're feeling, guy. Um, is this what you do? Yeah, you sure do- is. I We got to fill the space while we walk to the trees. Uh... Yeah, yeah, you kind of hit it on the head. I do feel a little bit like I, like I failed. Um, you know, supposed to protect my bearer and couldn't. And worse than that, someone convinced me that every everything was fine when it wasn't. Mm. So yeah. Ah, uh, who convinced you of that? Well. I guess technically Marceline, but Leo. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm sure you've heard some things about me along the way. I kind of got a penchant for, you know, taking things into my own hands. Uh, But I was thinking about some of the things you said about the collective and how maybe... Maybe the collective is coming to an end. I don't know about that. Well, not that it's coming to an end as much as it's like, uh, I don't know, changing, going through a change right now. I don't know. You know what I mean. Something's happening. It's different. Sure. Yeah, cool. This would have gone so much better if I would have said this last week. Um, So... I take him up to like a, a, there's trees around I'm assuming. So I like pick up a pine cone and like, there's something I wanted to show you that maybe you can use your power for. Cause you were talking about, no, I feel like you were talking about fire being destructive or everybody thinks about it that way, but I've, nobody. <laughs> I I was saying how, yeah, that was what everybody thought, but mm-hmm. I've learned better over time. Maybe I can show you something else you can do with it. I don't know if you've thought of this before. Um, and I take... Get, will you allow me to, like... I have Flaming Spear and Hellish Rebuke, like, all the time. Can mm-hmm. I just, like, heat up this pine cone in my hand? Sure. Okay. Um... I'm going to heat it up so it, like, starts to burn away. Mm-hmm. Be like, the thing that people don't realize is that fire is actually, like, necessary and cleansing for things. Sometimes things like the collective or even the forest get too overgrown and they start to choke themselves. But a fire goes through and it not only clears everything up, so that other things can grow, but it also makes it possible for new things to sprout. And as it burns away, you see the the seeds in the pine cone are left behind, and some of them have started to pop and crack because the only way for them to actually begin to grow is to be subject to a wildfire. And I'd like sprinkle them back on the ground. Like, there's a... Sometimes burning it down is the only way to make it better. Marin would like you a lot 
<laughs> or at least sulfur wood. Oh, that sounds more likely. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I understand the the value of controlled burn, and I mean, if we're going to be literal about it, I mean, I used to help Kit and Kenna clear out entire areas for new things to grow, but I think applying it to people and organizations is a little harder. I mean, obviously don't set them on fire. No, I mean, you can't. No, I understand that the metaphor. They do burn, but you know. Mr. Barago, I understood your metaphor. <laughs> I'm not literally going to burn my fellow uh, collective members. Um, but why? I mean... Though it might kick Arabelle in the ass, who knows? Um, but I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that maybe the way the collective has grown is so much that it's choking itself. Maybe it needs a different direction, and maybe your fire will be the key to going that new direction. I hope so. A Lycari without a bearer doesn't have as many responsibilities, I guess. I, uh, there's not many of us who have gone very long without a bearer. Uh, I think Vesper is probably the one who went the longest. But or was it Squall? I can't remember. I think Magda and Christmas made a good point, is that if you're going to live forever, this can't be the only thing you ever do. I agree. And uh, I don't know about, uh, oh, what's her name? The mean one. Kenna. Kenna, yeah. I don't know about her, but she... Uh, I feel like she's found her calling, which is just like, you know, being at the center of everything forever. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to do that or anything. But what else would I do? Start the fire. That what will make that? way for the new world. What about after that? After all, it's eternity. I don't know. At least Things will I change. Think it's eternity. I don't know if it actually is. Things will change. Go find something new to do. You know, for the first little less than a century of my life, I knew what the hell I was doing. Or at least I thought I did. And now I have no idea. I feel like I know less than I used to. Mm. That's probably a good thing. Well, your metaphor is not lost on me, and I agree with it. It's just a question of how. Mm -hmm. Or do I let it burn by itself, uncontrolled? I mean... Every day, nature benefits from unchecked wildfires. It does. People don't like them. 
but other things do better because of it. Yeah, Sophie would like you a lot. <laughs> I just want to take I guess a moment. It's, Never mind, go ahead. Huh? Oh, I say uh, the only thing I want to add is it's kind of one of those things where like people aren't the only thing on this planet. And so sometimes you have to benefit things that aren't people. And I'm going to switch my alignment. To? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> like, go chaotic evil. Just like, ah! Benefit the trees! Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I end up an eco-terrorist in every single campaign. Yeah. It's a little shorter, a <sighs> little fatter, a little hairier. Uh, yep. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Flameheart nods and says, well, I... I appreciate the vote of confidence. Um, I'm, I'm still thinking about what to do next, but I think the biggest thing on the table here is letting myself work separately from the collective for a little while. Your uh, friend, Mr. Fortune Mayor, is um, he's got the right idea. And I would also be interested to see what the, what are we calling you all? The nobodies are up to? Sure. I don't know what we're called. Well, that's what everyone else seems to call you. Oh, okay. Which, honestly, I can't believe they I do mean, at this point. Really, that doesn't make any sense for me because, like, everybody knows me, but, you know, or knows my name anyway. That is true. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty famous, you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll wrap that little conversation unless there's anything else you want to say to him. No, that was all I wanted to add. Okay. I want to just take a moment I like that. to appreciate good that, that somehow Noah is both that character that will talk your fucking ears off but also is that character that just like perfectly encapsulates the idea of like the people that have the least amount to say are the people that you want to pay attention to when they're talking the most. And it's not that Noah doesn't ever say anything. In fact, he, he talks constantly. However, when it's not nonsense, it is like so deep little gems, and so yeah. on the nose <laughs> that it's just like if Noah is being serious, everyone listen the fuck up. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, ben is very good at metaphors. Who's Ben? I I just know a lot about like plants and ecology. I and know stuff, you so do. like this is what I do, you guys. I uh, the alchemist artificer is your perfect class. It. It really plays into things I actually know, which is nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what what else for the first day, y'all? I will probably try and do that research that I messaged you about. Make me an investigation check. I'm not terrible at these at all. Oh. <laughs> Sixteen. Okay, so, 
going into Walter's library, which at this point you understand is a collection of Walter's knowledge, um, there is a lot of stuff from the Guild of the Gate uh, and his days as a chaser. Uh, though he, I guess he technically still is one. But uh, as you go searching through, um, the library shifts and changes based on what is at the forefront of Walter's mind um, and sort of what would be useful to him to revisit. And so it doesn't take you that long to find things about the Feywild and about Archfey and the courts and Fomorians and some of the creatures that live in, uh, in the Feywild. And among those creatures, some of the most legendary are, of course, the phoenixes. Um, looking among uh, what there is about phoenixes, um, you actually find pretty close to the front of the library, um, there is a book that contains one of the stories that you actually heard about in that letter from the Guild of the Gate, which is about the, uh, the Phoenix Knight um, and uh, getting into more detail of this story, you learn that it is actually Ethvara who was the phoenix in this story. Um, and the knight, though not associated with Morrigan, um, he essentially met her only a handful of times in his lifetime because the phoenix picks her knights and sends them off. She doesn't follow them. They don't follow her. Um, and uh, this particular night was uh, sort of beloved in some of the uh, Feywild towns. Let me actually grab that letter because I think there's a special detail. Um, oh, I just figured something out. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Okay there. Okay there, okay there guy. Yeah. I'm going to do something else besides potions, but we'll talk about it in a minute. Oh my god. Uh, Alright. Uh, the Phoenix Mark. Uh, mentioned uh, so the version of this story that you heard was for, apparently from a journal. Uh, by Lord Laramir Soldan in 434. Um, and he was sort of this researcher who contributed a lot to the modern understanding of the Summer Court or the Seely Court. Um, the, uh, basically what he spoke of is that Oberon had a champion uh, who carried a shield depicting a phoenix and also had a mark upon his chest. Um, this, uh, this knight Borovir uh, basically told the researcher that when he was a teenager, he went out hunting Fomorians uh, alone and was ambushed and killed by them, only to awaken later in a charred circle with an obsidian-like egg resting on his chest. Uh, when he returned home, the egg was taken from him by the Summer Queen's court, Titania, or by the Summer Queen's court, which would be Titania and the Seelie. Uh, but Borvir was, uh, 
uh, Boravir went on to work with uh, Ents and so on. Um, wait, am I am I mixing something up? I'm following along in the letter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he went on to work with Treants, um, and uh, essentially became a protector of Ents, which people found very strange, considering the champion of a bird of fire was protecting these tree people. Um, and Borovir uh, sort of laughed at that idea and said, it is the phase way to work in contradictions and strangeness. Those who come to burn a treant will never suspect that fire is his dearest companion. Um, and uh, basically Borovir is one of these uh, sort of Phoenix champions as they were referred to. Uh, he, while a guardian of Treants, was ultimately the champion of Oberon. Um, but there have been many other knights who have not been associated with courts at all. Um, and in Walter's knowledge, you find little bits and pieces about other knights, uh, some missing names, some missing descriptions. Uh, but overall, you find a running theme, considering what you specifically asked me. Um, you find a running theme that when the knights are visited by the phoenixes, um, it is always unexpected. They never know when she's coming. Um, and on the few occasions where one has been able to find her to like offer something or offer service, uh, she has always politely declined and instead turned their attentions to people who actually need help. Um, so your question of whether or not you can bring her a gift, the answer is you can, but she might not accept. Uh, as for Morrigan, I want you to make a separate investigation or religion check for that. Uh, which one's better? Neither. They're the same. Okay, cool. Oh, I didn't get anything. Uh, that that That's a zero. Bundy. Uh, so there <laughs> that was the is... That one minus one. <laughs> there is plenty about Morrigan in here, but... A lot of it is in languages that you don't know, and a lot of it is a little over your head. Like, sort of, I don't want to call Foostrock stupid, but there are just some inner workings of the Feywild that aren't going to make sense to him. And in the end, you basically get that she is a goddess of war and crows, and yep. About it. Alrighty. Mysterious. And she has an Irish accent. Yes. <laughs> or well, moderately Irish. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what you get out of your little research session. Midwestern Irish. What else for the first day? Um, can I? Sorry, I'm yeah. going to change what I'm doing for so for the day. I'm actually going to keep working on that lantern because I want to I want to make it not only show light, I want it to reveal invisible creatures. Okay. I have 3 second level spell slots of see invisibility. 
So I am willing to dump all three of them into this and also do like tinkering and stuff on it to try to adjust the magic within it. I'm basically going for a lantern of revealing. Okay. I can assist with that because I also have access to fairy fire, which also reveals invisible creatures. And I have a, we literally purchased a spell scroll that both Noah and I can use for fairy fire. So if that would help. I will assist with that. Okay. Um. Go ahead and make Ben make me an Arcana check with advantage. Okay, but not we're not doing the Tinker check. Yeah. No. Okay. Um. Guidance. Nat twenty. Uh. For a twenty-six. All right. Uh, yeah, pulling Christmas aside, uh, in between him making out with Sala. Oh my um, god, I rolled a 1 and a 20. That is not what I just realized it. I know. We'll get to that I know, in a minute. Guys. I know. Um, pulling Christmas aside to help you with this, because you need an extra set of hands to make this work correctly. Um, you guys, uh, seeing as you offered up the scroll of Fairy Fire, um, what you end up doing is actually putting the scroll into the lantern. Uh, You open it back up and using up, I would say, Ben, use up two of your sea invisibility and then Christmas, drop one of your uh, fairy fire uh, spell slots. Uh, Using those up, you are able to essentially uh, imbue the scroll itself with the sort of workings of what's already there of this like ever glowing lantern and uh by the time you're finished after a couple hours um the the actual like bottle that this uh all of these ingredients is in is no longer like crystallized and like full of residuum instead what has happened is the crystals and the scroll have all sort of evaporated and you've sealed them so there's this twirling greenish and gold mist that's just constantly glittering inside this bottle um and you put that back into your lantern uh so that it can be shuttered and everything and you now have a lantern of review oh my god it was that easy i didn't even have yeah. to tinker it you rolled a natural 20 oh that's true I'm not gonna make cool. you tinker extra with it. You already built the lantern. Yay! Oh. Uh, I am going to. I'm gonna kind of hold it up to Christmas and be like, "This is cool." But like, you want to see if the? It uh, yeah. If you want to go invisible, I'll turn invisible. So the way this is gonna work um, is that I'm actually gonna give this lantern charges. Uh, oh, okay. Well, it says it does burn for six hours on one pint of oil. Oh, is this a pre-existing item? Yes. Uh, oh. And then sheds a bright light of 30-foot radius, dim light for 30 feet. Invisible creatures or objects are visible as long as they are in the lantern's bright light. So as long as they're within 30 feet, I can see them. Okay. Yeah, just use that. Okay. It is equipped. Um, Except your lantern doesn't work on oil. So I'm going to say this lantern has to recharge after six hours of burning. Okay. Um, so that's, that's that's the only change we'll make to it. Okay. I doubt we're going to be using it for six hours at a time, but no. I will keep that in mind. Um, 
Yeah, I will, you know, let Christmas go invisible and shutter the windows and then throw open the hood on the lantern. The entire room is bathed in this greenish light with like swirls of gold going through it, almost like the dappling effect of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that as it casts over <gasps> Ooh, Christmas, what if What if it like threw out a uh, like a ring, a 30 foot ring around me that looks like fairy fire? Like kind of that like yeah. firefly looking thing? Okay, I like Yeah, it. we can do that. Um, okay. Yeah, just uh, so many you ideas. Still, you still get the kind of dappling effect across the walls from the cast light, but yeah, you see these little firefly-like uh, motes appear, and then as you sort of cast in the direction that you think Christmas is in, you watch as these motes come in and start clinging to him, revealing the outline of his form. Christmas is just standing there like this. I'm going to be like, you You hold on there just a second. And I like go back to the door. I'm like, everybody come in here. Look what I did. Okay. Noah's voice echoes across the whole mansion. Uh, and Walter like comes quickly walking because he's like, oh God, what has he done? Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Walter steps in. Sala and Gwen are close behind. Um, oh, I, I've shuttered the hood now so okay. they can't see him. And then I'll just wait till everybody's here. Okay. I walk in and I'm like, oh god, what do we have to do now? Do we have to fight like some sort of carnivorous? I shut the door so it's pitch black in okay. here. Oh god. I'm like, so you guys know who's in here, right? But there's other people in here too. And I throw open the hood so you can, and the, they all onto Christmas. They technically cling to everybody. Oh, I'm like, you see that? You see that over there? That that uh, that intruder in the corner? There's well, somebody here. I mean, we've got a pretty instinctual bunch here, so I I wouldn't go calling me an intruder. I don't want to get intruder alert. Like Gwen this. throws a pillow. I stumbled in the lady's favor. Yeah, Gwen like grabs a pillow off the couch and chucks it, and uh, it bounces harmlessly off Christmas. I'll drop it. Yeah. Ability. Yeah, uh, Sala actually walks up next to you, Noah. She's like, that's amazing. How did you do that? Uh, you know, just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, just you doing the stuff and the things. Do you think you could recreate that? Like another one? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll pay for it. Okay. Um... Sure. I don't know how much that cost. Uh, <laughs> let me let me. Uh, how much are these worth? <laughs> they don't have a cost because they're a wondrous item. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sane magic items. Um. Yeah. Sure. I can thirty thousand gold. Holy shit! Thirty thousand. Yep. Bro, we should sell this and get that book. <laughs> what was the book of the the tome of leadership of plus two to your charisma oh. score permanently? No, plus one, plus one. Oh, plus one. That helps. Uh, that helps you, not me. I know. <laughs> Do they have a tome of intelligence? I mean, you um, could find one, but you're gonna have to go hunt it down. Yeah. If it's no, plus I'll one, just, it's not worth it. I'll make her another one because I have a whole bunch of parts and stuff. 
still. I have literally an entire fucking bag worth of parts, and I still I have a bunch of residuum and everything. So I'm just like, yeah, I don't don't worry about it. Just give me a couple days. I'll make you another one. Okay. Uh, and I know fairy fire, so I can pump fairy fire into it by myself. Okay. Uh, Magda, what have you done with the first day, if anything? Oh, that was another nap. Uh, stop doing that. I did want to, <laughs> just because I we talked about this outside of game, but so I know, like, so it's like canon and everything. I'm going to find Christmas and I'm going to be like, hey, uh, you still got incense and shit, yeah? Yep. Cool. Can you run one of those things you did for Leon on Hearsome? I will add it to the list. Great. Uh, yeah. I imagine you guys had this conversation literally in front of us all in the middle of this room. No. <laughs> We're all just like, this is no, part of the I... course. <laughs> No, because then afterwards I'm going to say, um, look, I know that you were kind of putting on, like, a nice face the other day, uh, like, uh... Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, about Sala and everything. Uh, I really am sorry. And... I don't know. I just didn't want Kit to have that. History has not uh, has told us that that's a bad idea, but I also don't think we should have that either. I think I just was too impulsive. You know you've so. already apologized and been forgiven, right? Yeah, but like between me and you, like I know Sala forgives me because she's like a good person and everything. <laughs> and you don't because you're a bad person. But I just, I can't I can't read you sometimes. It's you know, well, you know, I don't know. You and I to be have fair, like you can't read Sala sometimes too. She I is I don't know, she's always just, been nice to me. She is. She is just slightly better of a liar than I am. Nice is different than good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, yep. It we was... we are kind of at the point where we're just like we can do shit and we get mad, but it's like oh, it's like family. It's gross. Ew. It was an accident. Do something instead. I love that. Okay. Did you mean that about after all this is done, you and Sala joining us in Namnoblin? Maybe not in M. Noblin. We we have our own place that we have sort of set aside, sort of a if-then 
situation. I don't know. There's a lot of things that need to happen before we get there, but in that moment, yes, I meant it. Okay. Does I mean I'm not gonna drag Gwyn anywhere, of course, because Good luck. I don't know. I don't want to be one of those people who's like, oh, you love me, so come all the way. You know, I've done that already. I've been on the receiving end of that. So I don't really want to pull her away from people that she loves. Just, you know, if it's her choice, whatever. She can do whatever she wants, but I don't want to make her. But then, you know, if Sala... Magda. Stop overthinking things. It's difficult. Yeah, I know. We have a job to do right now. Things will work out how they are supposed to. <laughs> Taylor, shut the fuck up. What? <laughs> he said things will. Oh, I thought you were <laughs> saying like things will work out, and you were like, <laughs> "No, that's not true either." <laughs> wow, cool. I Gwen sure hope you're right. Loves you. Everyone can see it, which means that when the time comes, you won't have to ask her. Did everybody else know before? I mean, she told me. I look around at everyone else that's before? currently in the room. No! <laughs> We're not in the room with everybody else. I guess I'm just fucking stupid. Jeez. Great. Lovely. Good talk. Good talk. Cool. Run that legend law check for me. I punch him in the arm and I'll run, walk away. <laughs> um. So the 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 I misread the day before timing wise. So my schedule is gonna be just slightly different from what That's I saw. Fine. So uh, day one, <laughs> Christmas is saving his legend lores until before until like post dinner. Um, okay. And not talking to Flameheart because Flameheart is off with Noah, and then Noah was doing stuff with us. So uh, Christmas spends the whole day basically just trying to be of service to everyone that is here, uh, yeah. and acting like it's his house, even though it's not his house, but that he's like the host. So okay. if anyone needs anything, he is making meals, uh, helping the invisible servants make meals. I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't care. Uh, anyway, Christmas is going to be of service to everyone. And then, uh, when we're done with everything, uh, before it's time for, for Sleepy Sleep, um, also, if you'll allow it, part of that helping people will be helping Sala put a couple of spells from Callum's book into her book. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll include the big one that we talked about on day one so that you get to... The, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one we so talked actually, about extensively yesterday. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, so actually, that will that will mean that I get to bring out a fun thing. Um, 
So in the evening, probably before dinner, uh, Christmas and Sala are sitting down in uh, Walter's library, uh, copying over these spells uh, using the correct materials for <laughs> Sala's spell book. And uh, yes, it's a fun euphemism. Um, no, I, I just imagine okay. Fustrox in there holding a book and he just looks frazzled because he's never read this much. <laughs> you know, yeah. out of uh, game, circles under out his of game Fustrox, if you ever need to research something about the Feywild, you literally travel with a walking, talking Feywild library. Just, True. Just keep that in mind for next time. Not to mention the two ladies that have, you know, lived in the Feywild for yeah. years. Um, but, uh, so, uh, Christmas and Sala are copying over some spells. Um, and one of the first ones that you copy over is one that it's kind of cute. Sala is super excited about. Um, and uh, as you're copying this over, um, she is going over ideas. She's like, I don't know, maybe it could be someone to help me scout. Maybe uh, just, you know, like a, a forward look so that nobody's in danger. But it also has to be something that no one's going to notice. And Sala. she's just constantly talking. Sala. Yeah. Yeah. Just what? What? Breathe, because this has become a thing today, apparently, where everyone overthinks everything. Um, I can't be excited. You can be excited. I'm just telling you, for the first time, just let it be what it is. I am. You'll always be able to change it later. And she shoves your shoulder and keeps on writing. Um, you have noticed that despite what happened the day before, she is kind of coming into her own. She feels more comfortable um, sort of with the group. She's getting to the point where she feels like, you know, she has a spot again. And as soon as she finishes this spell, she like picks up her book and goes and... Uh, plops down on this uh, section of open, like, marble floor, and you see her pull out a piece of chalk and start drawing. Um, not a word to you. She's just engrossed in this spell. And uh, Sala's way of spell casting is very much an amalgamation of sort of classic, like, elven arcana mixed with the sort of rugged uh, northern geary runic style. So her style is almost, it's almost self-created to the point where it'd be hard for someone else to use her spell circles the way she does. And as she draws all this out, uh, she pulls out of her bag a small brass brazier that you didn't even know she had. Uh, and she uh, pops that down. She's like, um, do you still have some of that incense? I take, like, a razor blade to get just, like, the teeniest, the teeniest sliver bit. of this incredibly expensive, uh, so that we take, you know, a half block is 250 gold, so we yep. need 10. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, so just this little sliver. You need like a grain. Exactly, yeah, and I'll Yeah, and she she like she like comes over and takes it and it like sticks to her finger and she puts it in the the little brazier. Um and you see her just pick up the brazier and blow on it and it catches fire. 
um, and she sets it down and finishes up her runes. Um, and you watch as this like smoke is billowing from this brazier that, you know, if it were a normal brazier and not like a spell, like this wouldn't be happening. But you watch this sort of bluish smoke billow out of it until she places down the last rune and you watch her sort of whip her hand over the top of it, which pulls the smoke away. And left in the bottom of this uh, brazier, picking his head up and sort of puffing out his feathers is a little screech owl. And these big, huge amber eyes open up that are flecked with like fey green. And he has this very sort of common Eastern screech owl, uh, brown and sort of tan patterning. But there's a very specific dark line that goes up his forehead from the top of his beak uh, that sort of sets him apart. And you watch Sala sort of scoop him up out of this brazier and lift him up. And he makes this little trilling sound. Um, and he's like, he's like that big. He's so little. Um, and she holds him up and you see probably the biggest smile that you've seen out of Sala in recent time. And she sort of brushes the crest of uh, feathers on his face and uh, she turns and looks back at you and holds him up very proud. And she's like, Chris, this is Roswin. Yeah. I'm sorry, say that name again? Roswin. Okay, I thought you said something else for a second. No, it uh, is a Welsh name meaning rose. Okay. I thought it was. I thought so you said my Welsh. dog with an R. Yeah. I thought you no. said Roswell for a second, and I was no, like, no. ooh. Uh, no, Roswin. Well, should I leave you two alone? Do you need a minute alone together? or? No. I don't think I've ever even seen you smile at me like that. Listen, a lot has been happening lately. He's just... Look at him. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll like go over and like pet him a little bit. Yeah, and he he does that little, that little... That owls do. And he closes his big old eyes and um, she stands up with him and she just plops him right down on your shoulder. You know, there is a finite list of people that I would really, truly lay down my life for. I'm going to let you know right now that this little guy did just jump to the front of that line. I, I assume so. Same for me. Yeah. Now, he's probably going to be there often because I'm going to be out of sight. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she takes you by the shoulders and like turns you around and shoves you away. Uh, and if you look back at her, you'll see her blink and her eyes sort of glow white. And you watch beside you as Roswin's eyes turn the same shade of amber as Sala's eyes, as he starts glancing around. And you hear Sala behind you go, oh boy, this is a new experience. Hey, you want me to make it even weirder? Yeah, go for it. Invisible. 
<laughs> you turn the owl invisible? Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, she's like, okay, that's, that's, yep, that's weirder. That's, um, okay. And she, she blinks and like comes back to herself and uh, she puts her arm out. And you feel a flutter off your shoulder as the invisible owl flies to her arm. Um, and she's like, it's cool, though, because I still know where he is, kind of. It's also a lot easier than me just turning you into an owl, because I can do that, but it's yeah, significantly no, easier. No, I'd, I'd rather keep my mental faculties. But yeah, he'll be... It'll be really useful. I can keep an eye on you guys from a distance, and he'll help me call my shots. Um, and uh, after a bit, Roswin reappears, and uh, she snaps her fingers, and he once again disappears. Yay, and we have just, a familiar name. She just starts snapping them all over the place, having all kinds of fun. So the rest of you will figure out by dinner that Sala has a new toy. Uh... Because a tiny screech owl keeps appearing and disappearing all over the place. <laughs> um, but uh, after dinner, Mr. Fortuner. Yep. So it's uh, before bedtime. So I am going to expedite my legend lore process here a little bit. And okay. we are going to do Sav. Yeah. Oh, so ready. All right. Uh, so... Yay. Okay. Sav, the Blighted Star. Uh, let me read you a thing before I launch into his actual story, because you will get this as part of Legend Lore. Uh, there is a set of stories similar to an Edda uh, called the Frost Roker, which is essentially the epic of the Age of Frost. And some parts of the Frost Roker are actually prophetic. Uh, passages that were written by Geary oracles who believed certain things would come to pass. And one of them, uh, lesser known, but very important and delivered to you as part of Legend Lore, is an excerpt uh, entitled Sultan Sovereign. Uh, see. I think you've sent this to us before. I have, but I'm going to reread it on stream. That's terrifying. Uh, a foolish child cried into the void and opened the way to he who cannot be weathered by mortal kind. Even guised in nymphish beauty and elvish grace, the rotting star emerged to stalk every green and breathing thing. He walks slowly, ever so patiently, and leaves naught but dust and bone in his wake. The cruel warlord cannot match his toll, instead fended off by shields and wit. The ghostly plague cannot inflict such prolonged suffering, kept at bay by herbs and medicine. The former boreal king can only dream of his year-round reach, relegated to a single season that will always end. All are but babes playing at domination in the shadow of famine, he who threatens all. Be it an empty larder or a lack of faith, men and gods can both starve to death. The quietest, most prolific killer of the Age of Frost, ardent bane of the merciful reaper, he returns to fill the void left by his detested king. Sultan Savin seeks Tierna, Per Famine, 
names as numerous as the stars he rots out of the sky. In the forestallment of winter, in the slumber of brass, in the confinement of the wraith, the patient horseman awakes and the austral crown will be his. Yeah. So, Sultan Savan, also known as Sav, the Blighted Star, is the famine horseman of the dissolution, third lord under Ilarka, the Endless Frost. Like the other horsemen of the dissolution, Sav is not from the world of Atlaren, nor even any realm nearby the prime material. In a far-off realm created by Alarka himself, Sav was not born, but accidentally formed from the refuse left behind after Guillaume and Stionix were created. Per, uh, practically sons of Ilarka, Guillaume and Stionix were each given a piece of Ilarka's great power. Guillaume became known as the Brass Warlord, feared and famed for marching his armies under the cover of his father's blizzards, striking when enemies were least prepare, uh, prepared. Stionix went forth close behind with disease and pestilence, the virulent wraith that brought awful suffering in the war-torn trail left by his brother. But Ilarka failed to remember the greatest, quietest killer associated with his power. Not cold, not war, not disease. None of these covered poor planning, bad harvests, ill fortune, and the devastating consequence of all three of the other horsemen, starvation. After all, when the cold kills the crops, war burns through uh, food stores, and disease kills the farmers and their plants, what then kills masses, drives the survivors mad, and leaves a lasting, horrible scar on entire cultures. The unintended child became Ilarka's greatest joy for a time in his first centuries. Saab was not an active killer or destroyer. He was patient, methodical, and he knew how to change plans at a moment's notice. He always had several backups, always had several more pieces in play than anyone realized, and he rarely got his own hands dirty with the details. Instead, he was inspired to create his own method of control after seeing starving creatures resort to cannibalism. He realized that, after doing so, some creatures could never stop thinking about the thrill of doing something so primal and wrong, whether they actually enjoyed it or not. Plucking that idea, he created a way to stick in the minds of those he influenced, to keep track of them and see through their eyes and influence them with promises or threats. Uh, by the time the world of Atlaren came into existence, Ilarka was the absolute ruler of his own realm and a couple others, with Guillaume and Stanix acting as his generals. But despite adoring Sav at first, Ilarka had come to suspect his accidental son. Sav was too patient, too confident, and too widely. Ilarka feared that he would be, over, uh, be overthrown by his own blood, and so gave Sav an impossible task meant to destroy him, to destroy the Balin gods of death. The four gods were sent to invade the prime material and the world of Atlaren, and Ilarka uh, knew then... Uh, sorry, Ilarka knew that Ursen and the Reapers would be their greatest hurdle, being that he and his sons were... Uh, uh, being that Ursan and his sons were Ilarka and his sons' exact opposing forces. So Ilarka sent Sav to destroy them alone, while Guillaume and Stionix had armies and lesser lords at their disposal. Lo and behold, Sav showed up with his own army of insectoid creatures and allies that Ilarka had never seen, including Fomorians. 
And while Sav did not manage to kill Ursan or the Reapers, he did manage to kill and nearly destroy the Titan of Darkness, Dolther. In a battle with the Titan of Light, Laska, Sav invaded Amnoblan and attacked the Monomarig with the intent to destroy the children of the gods, the Malandrata. And at the same time, he locked away Hesperus, leading the Balin to believe he'd fled in cowardice. At the same time, Sav had sent his own daughter, Ozdala, to influence the corrupted son of Talon, helping the boy kill his sisters and then his mother, Senna. Unfortunately for the horsemen of the dissolution, as Ilarka and his sons became known, an influx of other foreign gods aiding the Balin eventually brought the dissolution to an end with the Demiwer's appearance. Sav nearly snuck inside, but was thwarted at the last moment by Talon. Sav was able to hold Talon's attention long enough to allow Ozdala to sneak in, sealing her inside the Demiwer and hidden for millennia. Ever since then, she has been quietly communicating with her father, helping him plan his return to Atlaren and the destruction of the Demiwer. After the dissolution, blame for the horseman's failure was placed upon Sav, despite his efforts being the most brutal and damaging. Ilarka demanded recompense for the failure, only for Sav to laugh in his face and take his leave. Ilarka, Guillaume, and Stionix were then shocked to learn that Sav had actually created his own realm and had sealed them out of it. That realm, Stirnagard, became a nightmarish vault of stolen souls. Every person Sav had managed to influence or sway would eventually end up there after death. They are trapped like insects in a jar, only for Sav to pluck one out occasionally to use as a bargaining chip or to corrupt into a twisted servant to send through the demiware. To this day, Sav sends such servants as gifts to his beloved child, Ozdala, who then uses them as pawns in her own little games. Her mission remains the same. Return Sav to the world of Atlaren, where he may retake the crown Ilarka once held in the 10,000-year-long Age of Frost. Well, that sounds awful. Yeah! Did I catch in there that Sav and Senna have a daughter together? No, no. Uh, Sav helped kill uh, Senna's daughter. Okay. I thought that. Never mind. Okay. I thought I. Because you brought up Sav's daughter wild. and then said something about killing their own mother. And I was confused. No, no, no. Like, no. Uh, to make sure that part's clear, Sav uh, helped. Palmer, who was Senna and Talon's son, uh, who was corrupted, helped him kill his sisters and his mother. Gotcha. Okay. But I think we just found our big um, uh, uh, plot hook there in that Sav has a daughter on the material plane. Yep. Who's communicating with him. Bring yep. Him back. Man, what, what feels like that name? could possibly be Serena. <laughs> well, that's my thing, is I'm very curious now if I want to... Yeah, I'm being fucking stupid. I'm not going to Legend Lord Serena next. Uh, what's Sav's daughter's name? Ozdala. Yeah, uh, Legend Lore is going to be targeted at Ozdala next. Okay, first, uh, Ash, what were you saying? That, that was my question. Okay. What was her name? So. 
Do you want to legend lore Ozdala next? I would like to legend lore Ozdala next. The well, most... it is funny that you asked. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. I, that's that. uh, yep. <laughs> Serena Octon, also known as Ozdala, the shepherdess of scorpions. God damn it. We were in a uh-huh. room with this bitch. Can I? These uh-huh, names uh-huh. are so cool. Like the Eeks. Shepherdess of Scorpions, and I love yeah. that Sob has like the Vault of Souls. Like I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Stirnagard, which I believe uh, Stirna is a word for star, which goes along with his uh, his thing as the Blighted Star. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, Ozdala, the Shepherdess of Scorpions, uh, born into her humanoid form in uh, this timeline is a little weird because we start going into negatives when we get into the Age of Frost. Uh, She was born in uh, 900 uh, LF, which stands for Long Frost, meaning 900 years before the end of the black uh, of the uh, long frost. So it's BC versus AD. Basically, yeah. yeah. This explains why um, she can't touch the Ace of Spades. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you got that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, before 900 LF, Sav had two demonic companions, a tiny scorpion and a large moth. Of all things, he adored these two most. They were so loyal and oh, steadfast no. at his side that he rewarded them with the ability to shift into the forms of people. The moth chose a masculine form while the scorpion chose a feminine form. And while these forms have changed over time, the brother and sister Reziel and Ozdala have remained Sav's greatest servants and dearest children. Uh, Ozdala was the can one we, most can, often... Can we actually just pause for a second? What? What? Just what? pause for a second? What? We all fucking know where this is about to go. Do yeah. I just want to take a minute to just let my brain... Just reset for a second and anticipate what's about to happen. Okay, continue, please. I don't think it's going to go where you think it's going to go. Maybe. Uh, Ozdala was the one most often in the field, her brother acting as a messenger and scout between herself and their father. She was the one at Baylor's side when he struck down Morrigan in the climax of a heated battle. She was there to sow discord and doubt among mortals shortly before the dissolution to help weaken the Balin. She was the one to help Sav kidnap Hesperus and lock him away, making him look like a coward who ran from the fight. But most of all, she was the one to help Talmer, the corrupted son of Talon and Senna, to murder his sister Altha. She sent four scorpions, her own children, to aid Talmer, allowing the scorpions to sting Altha on her hands and feet so that she suffered a slow, awful death till Talmer finished her off and destroyed her entirely. In the course of the dissolution, Ozdala proved she was every bit the daughter of Sav. She was a master of strategy, able to work in the shadows and let others take the fall for her plans. And she wasn't afraid to step in, steal someone else's face as she was a shapeshifter, and get her hands dirty if all else failed. And thanks to her ability to pin blame on others, she never achieved infamy or dread. No one even knew she took part in the dissolution until well afterward. When the dissolution came to an end, a number of entities made it through the demiweir before it was closed, but Sav could not. Ozdala and Reziel, being small enough to pass through freely, were able to remain his eyes and ears, as well as seeking out pawns, champions, and vessels for Sav to use. 
Osdala has since grown too powerful to leave the Demiware, so Reziel is her main line of communication to her father. Uh, it wasn't until the time of Olgar Heidelin that Osdala resurfaced, hiding amongst his first followers as a lowly mage. She saw the corrupted Senka emerge, and she was there in Keladir City at the epicenter of the Calamity when the Heidelin staves erupted, and she was nearly destroyed. In the coming centuries, she watched her uncle Ilarka lay plans to break the Demiware and laughed as he failed miserably in the face of a bunch of mortals. She watched those mortals, the Obsidian Collective, grow and come into power with their Lycari, and she watched as a small fragment of the former Heidelin cults and a number of obsessive zealots became infatuated with the Lycari Keladir. At this time, uh, all this time, she reported every detail to Sav and helped arrange his own plans to do what Ilarka could not. Seeing opportunity among the emerging friends of the Eternal, Sav gave Ozdala a bargaining token to get her into the cult in 492 with plenty of favor, the Overwatch Rifle. <laughs> While she'd been influencing the, uh, the cult for years at this point, she was suddenly made an important but not leading member. Using her influence and natural talent for swaying people, she got into the minds in favor of the cult's leaders and used that to eventually convince a very scared young woman to sacrifice her fiancé's free will for his own safety. That sacrifice was Leon Veneer, bearer of Flameheart until DF6 of 502. While Leon was under her, their control, Osdala used him to spy on the Obsidian Collective, stockpile weapons, use veneer arms materials and connections, and to control his puppeteer, Marceline Nyland. Marceline, in turn, was forced to covertly, uh, covertly aid Osdala in encouraging violence between the Glacier Watch and Blue Shore Tribe in Frosthold, encouraging the Glacier Watch to fracture and to help organize the theft and transport of veneer and Molinarch explosives and tools from Rhyme in Amnoblin to an attempted terror attack on Lodestone Hall. In return, Marceline was promised Leon would be spared and allowed to, uh, allowed to go free. The poor girl was in too deep to refuse, and Leon was unable to resist her control, not even knowing that it was happening at all. Uh, today, after losing her uh, most favorite tools, Marceline Nyland and Leon Veneer, Osdala is undaunted, and her father remains confident in her abilities. After all, the two mortals served their most important purpose, cracking the foundations of the Collective and setting fires all over the world to distract the Collective and their allies. Now, Osdala continues to perfect the Walker Curse, which she has been improving for 300 years, and she is biding her time until her father is ready to enact his final plan to return to the world of Atlaren. Nothing well, in the Sob Legend tells me shit. anything about Lorcan. It did bring up Reziel, though. Yeah, and I... Uh, I will... You know what? I will add a thing for you, because actually Ozdala has a little bit more to do with Lorcan. Because um, I have a question so, about something after the... Uh, yeah, if you have extra like questions on the side, maybe something I didn't think of, I will take those. But uh, Ozdala uh, is also a somewhat dear friend of Hearsome. 
and she is the one who connected him with the Fomorians. And she may or may not have helped Sav get a hold of Lurkin, you know, immediately after he was exiled from the Sealy Court. Well, might not need the legend lore here some anymore. So, um, <laughs> no, actually, that's not. So, I have a question. Um, um, sorry, I'll stop looking at the group chat. What did anyone ever, or did I ever see in Jasper's journal? Because I know there's a couple of times when I flipped through that. Anything about the Driftwood Crown? In Jasper's journal? In Jasper's journal, because I know he wrote down. No, because he didn't know how to write back then. Okay. Uh, No, he didn't. So I probably have never heard that crown brought up in conversation. Nope. Okay, perfect. So that'll be for. I wouldn't even know to bring it up. So I have. No, because it, it was mentioned. When Sav came to visit us, the the crown that Agra wore was mentioned to um, to Magda because yeah. that's the whole reason that uh, I think you guys that, do know about that. Yeah, he manifested it in his hand, if memory serves. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. To be clear, because I feel like you guys are. Anyway, uh, the Driftwood Crown was created by Sav. It was given to Jasper to give to Agra, and then mm-hmm. Sav demanded it back. Okay, so yeah. going in a different direction. What do I know about Lorcan's dad? Lorcan's dad? Um, honestly, not a lot. Um, so... Magda actually probably knows the most. Um, Lorcan's dad was uh, a, I believe, a minor archfey. Um, I yeah. find that letter. Magda uh, Tom's letter number two. Do 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 do. Lorcan and Nolan. According to this letter, no father is named for sure, but many texts suggest one of Oberon's warriors had pined after Petrata for years. Uh, They had a one-night stand, and once he got what he wanted, he left her behind. Uh, She eventually, she never sought the company of men again and instead found a partner in a female ladron named Lucia. So there is no name given, um, but he was one of Oberon's warriors, which would make him a minor archfey, which is why uh, Lorcan is not a full-on Eladrin, but also not a full-on nymph, which is why he's stuck in his spring form forever. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. 10 gold that uh, Sav's son has some sort of relation to Hearsome or Lorcan in some sense. Uh, but that's yeah. going to have to wait until we go back because after helping Sala, I now have 240 gold worth of incense left, which is slightly yeah. less than one legend lore. So, uh, I mean, we're going shopping tomorrow. 
Somebody's gotta have some. It's not okay. Yeah. Um. Yes. 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 And then I go to bed. Day one complete. Day two. You guys are headed for Amadethelian. I tell mm-hmm. everyone everything. Holy Ooh. shit! Yeah. <laughs> Basically, oh, that yeah. sounds horrible. <laughs> I knew that bitch couldn't be trusted. Uh, I gave it away. I am going to take out one of my uh, Vodra scrolls. And I'm just going to summarize the stuff about Serena to uh, Kenna. Kenna? Okay. Yeah. I'm also going to make sure that I mention um, about the the previous goal being marching on the Monomarig and taking the Austral Crown. Mm-hmm. If she has any idea what that is, so probably. Um, and then I'm going to because I realized I don't think I actually responded to Morrigan's message. No, to me. Didn't. So I'm gonna in the morning uh, before we leave send to Morrigan and let her know yeah. uh, that we are heading back into Modithelian. And um, I will also bring this up to the rest of the group. Um, I would like to go from Amadathelion back to the break to do the Court of Reckoning stuff. Mostly because I don't want to go from Barrow to the break and back. I want to sort of keep the same path here in case people are... The break is literally right outside of Amadathelion. It's not that far. Right. So... If people are okay with it, Amadathelion for shopping trip, from Amadathelion to the break, and then back to Barrow. That's fine. Cool. Cool. Shopping. Yep. Um, and I sent you a message, by the uh, way. Uh, the journey back is fairly... I mean, with the time compression it feels like it takes no time but you're still exhausted by the time you get there um no problem uh for food truck uh cool uh secrets uh mm. but uh on the way back uh because it is it's a little bit of a jaunt to get between barrow and amatothelian uh if you guys start out uh earlier in the morning you will get there by like mid-afternoon um and question yeah is flameheart coming with us yes he is while we are riding along um i will think back to the conversations that i had with magda the other day mm-hmm. and i'll just say to flameheart while we're while we're traveling hey um you wouldn't happen to have any uh well, fun little Marin and Silas stories, would you? Um, yeah, uh, Flameheart, uh, as he's going along, you see him kind of tilt his head back a little, and he goes, I mean, yeah, I knew them for most of their lives. Uh, I don't know, what do you want to hear about? Something most of us don't know. Oh, well. There's a lot about Silas that most people don't know. Um, Happy story, please. A happy story. Okay. (laughs) 
Uh, how about, uh, well, it's not necessarily happy, but it's interesting. Um, how about the time that we had to go, uh, save Kit's ass from, uh, the Nine Rings of Hell? When did that happen? <laughs> the same way it happened to Grog. Uh, uh, fucking around with things. Hmm. Also, to be clear, because I see y'all fucking around in chat, y'all know that Austral means Southern, right? Yeah, Australia. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, there's Boreal and there's <laughs> Austral. That's why oh, Australia thought... is called Australia. Ah, didn't know that. And that's why the Southern Lights <gasps> are called... Aurora Australis. Oh no. Oh what? no. What? There's another Monomarig, isn't there, on the South Pole? Oh no. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Maybe it goes all the way through the planet. Something worse. Um, it's uh, another dragon. It's a dragon. There are plenty <laughs> of dragons down there. Don't worry. Yeah. I think you guys have almost met a couple of them, but, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> Flameheart uh, essentially tells you... Uh, uh, oh, God, I'm going to have to improv this story. I know the, the I beats of it. I told you ahead of time that I was going to do this. I didn't know what story you might want, so shut up. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Flameheart basically goes into... Um, so we were on a vacation, and vacations always go wrong with that family. That's because Marin um, was like, "We're gonna have scheduled fucking fun." fun. Um, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody actually says that, he'd be like, "Actually, we managed to get her to not create a schedule that time. Maybe that's what went wrong." <laughs> um, so we went to Calicar Harbor uh, with, oh, oh. you know, the Marin and Silas, me, Caladir, uh, Artesia, Ephraim, and Kit and Kenna came along uh, because they needed a break from their tree stuff. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Burke and Nix as well. But uh, when we got there, uh, Kit was exploring around the market, seeing if there was anything interesting that he oh, could no. uh, that he could use for his business. And uh, this this woman, I don't even know if you could call her a woman, approached him and said that she had need of his services. And she was just really big and creepy and just covered in like jade jewelry no <laughs> how did he not know yeah i mean i'm sure uh, he did he i'm getting like, there i'm okay. getting there let me tell the fucking story also um, was the whole the whole that kit created in the center of town still there <laughs> I don't remember how you created that, but there was like uh, it was oh, very powerful acid. Yeah, very yeah, strong yeah. acid that we just covered up. We were like, eh, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh Kit freaked out when he saw her, but he wasn't really fast enough to get away from her, and suddenly she just ripped open this portal and shoved him in. And we were all freaking out because 
its kit and uh she ended up opening uh another portal for herself and we somehow figured out where she was going so it took us a week to get the right materials to actually go there um and when we got there uh we eventually hunted uh kit down but uh the whole time uh silas and Marin were definitely the parents of the group uh we didn't bring the kids we did not bring artesia and Ephraim. uh bring them to hell no they were like 12 they were like 12 it's educational (laughs) yeah artesia definitely wanted to go it's like Uh, a fucking magic school bus (laughs) Uh, yeah but essentially as he tells this story um he sort of focuses in on marin and silas because he knew them best and uh he also tells a bit about keladir and uh tells you guys how the entire time uh that they were trying to hunt kit down Marin was just constantly like this motherfucker we should just leave him behind like he always fucks with us and Silas just being like, no, darling, we can't leave him, and all that. Um, And uh, Flameheart tells you that eventually they reached, uh, in the top layer of the Nine Rings of Hell, uh, they reached this uh, castle that was held by a uh, by a, like, fiendish, like, devil lord. And they had to bargain with him to get Kit back. And um, the price they ended up paying was entertainment. And so oh these bearers... <laughs> these bearers and their Lycari were pitted against a gauntlet of devils and demons in, like, a gladiatorial-style combat. And uh, they just managed to make it through, uh, mostly thanks to Marin having the Ace of Spades, which at this point was slightly enchanted, not completely, um, and uh, Silas being a very practiced healer. Uh, But uh, he tells you how it was actually Keladir who ended up breaking them out after the final round where the de- uh, the uh, devil was trying to get them to fight more after they'd already completed their gauntlet and Keladir just obliterated him with the last of her power and Flameheart's like that was the angriest I think I've ever seen her um, and apparently her reasoning was that we have left the children alone long enough. It is time for dinner. We need to go back. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, she uh, literally just dusted him. And uh, we managed to break Kit out of this little holding cell. Uh, Kit was not happy. And in fact, I think we had to get back a couple fingers for him. And uh, then we had to go all the way back to uh, Calicar uh, in time for dinner. So he knew the regenerate spell. He's fine. Yeah, yeah he's it's fine. still painful to lose digits. Well, yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, we so did you know we it. have to we have to do this one shot now. Sure. Yeah, rescue <laughs> kit. Yeah, the yep. search for kit. Yep. <laughs> God. Ah, shit, I should have thrown something in there like Sam did, where, like, Percy got his arm ripped off by five hobgoblins. Oh, God. 
Yeah. I um, canon. <laughs> while we're driving along, I would like to search for bones on the side of the road. Okay. Bones. Make an investigation check. Okay, cool. I'm gonna guidance myself. I'm looking mostly for a skull. Uh, that's gonna be uh, 25. Jesus, all right. Um, being, you know, wild, and there being a lot of animals around, um, the Feywild has an interesting property about it where things rot very fast once mm-hmm. they're dead. And uh, it isn't terribly hard to find like odd bones around. Uh, as for a skull, um, the one that you do come across would probably be uh, would probably be a deer skull. Would be the most likely one to find. No carnivores. Not here. Nah. Every time that Ben adds to this, it just gets more concerning. Wait, yeah. you need a carnivore skull? Yeah, I would like one. Don't you have the skull to a bird of prey in your That's bag? not. I, I need, need teeth. Toothy skull. Oh, okay, I need teeth. Um, all right. I'll just, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to be like, eh, not scary enough. And like, then just keep, keep walking. I, I beg to fucking differ because skinwalkers well, wear those things. Yeah, but we don't want to go for a skinwalker vibe. We're going for something else. Okay. But I have something extra to buy in town. All right. Uh, but yeah, you guys reach town without too much of an issue. Uh, Fustrat goes off to buy some secret secrets. Uh, <laughs> if you're looking for a skull, Noah... Um, I am looking for a mask. A mask. Yes. Are you going full Percy or something? I'm looking for a half mask, so it sits like on the nose down. Uh-huh. And I would like it to be toothy, and I would like the mouth open slightly. Like okay. An oni like mask? an oni mask. Hell yeah. Okay. This is very, yeah, I was about to say, this is very anime. <laughs> Honestly, on yeah. a tiefling, um, that's badass. Right. Mm-hmm. I will say, because that's a pretty specific ask, I will give you this, because uh, I'll hold on to your investigation check. You don't find quite what you're looking for, but the tiefling at Sundrake's will tell you that he can order something like that for you. Uh, he knows a person who can actually create one for you. Um, cool. Uh, how long is it going to take to get here? Uh, probably four days. Wait. Five days. Uh, he will tell you that this artisan, he wants uh, to make this mask. Um, he can contact him, but he will arrive in a Modifelian in probably four or five days. Uh, how much can I pay you to have a Vodrobe to me? To have a Vodrobe to you? Uh, I mean, Vodrobe something that big, probably 150. Cool. Here's 150 gold. Uh, I will hand it over. And, and if you're, if you're, if it's supposed to be just a mundane mask, I mean, it'll probably cost you like 50 gold for a custom piece. Cool. Here's another 50. Cool. You can okay. decide what that mask is going to look like. Sweet. Um, um, yeah. The only other things I need to check are... No, I could probably use the spells I have. 
in order to do what I want to do to this mask. Um, I have a wand of magic missile that I just don't use. And I was going to sell it to him. Okay. Uh, he will be able to pay you. He'll be able to give you back the money you just spent. All 200? Yep. Okay. Because I think I remember how much you paid for it. Yeah. Uh, so we can get rid of the wand of magic missiles. And then um, I feel like there was something else I wanted to sell. Let me see. Everybody else be thinking about your shopping list too. Yeah, I apologize. Um, I am. Huh. Oh, I have this complicated lock cylinder. Would he purchase that from me? Oh, the one from the vault? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he would, being that it's a four pronged lock. Uh, it's what I like to refer to as a labyrinthine lock. Um, he would be able to pay you... It's technically mundane because it's not in the lock anymore. Uh, be able to pay you 50 gold for that because it's a pretty nifty piece. I'm going to keep it. Okay. Uh, Install it on enough. your future mansion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or someplace else I don't want somebody to get into. Yeah, just put it um, somewhere that Dime can see it and just be like, ha, 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 I got it. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. The only other thing I want to do is while we're down, I would like to ritually cast Identify on this vial of liquid that Ember gave me because I forgot. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say that you probably could have done that while you guys were traveling because... Okay. Yeah. Um, Identify will tell you that this is a small vial of Phoenix Tears. <gasps> I knew you wanted some. Um, what What do you do with them? Uh, Phoenix Tears have a few uses. They can be used as, as a component. Um, they can be used as part of uh, different potions, but they have an inherently uh, healing uh, property about them. Uh, that they can, uh, a single drop can cure poison or pretty much most diseases. Like, not like, it's not going to cure cancer, but it yeah. will cure you of like some more basic diseases. Um, uh, a single drop can also act as a basic healing potion. Wow. Um, your vial probably has like, I don't know, like a, I don't know how many drops are in like a half ounce, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I can do that math. Go for it. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think, hold on, let me double check. There are 295 drops in a half ounce. In a half ounce. Okay, there's not that much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say there's like 10 drops. Uh, okay, all right. It's not a it's not Way like a big vial. Pounds. It's like those really it's tiny. Teeny. It's like half a dram. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. really little. 
you can like the world's tiniest whiskey bottle like you can get those yeah. and it's just one of those but the whiskey bottle label's been peeled off there we go uh yeah uh drop can act as a healing potion can heal uh poisons and basic diseases uh is a cure for basilisk venom and uh petrification uh and while it will not bring back lost limbs uh it can uh heal them over instantly Hmm. i have something else that i'm going to use this for that's much cooler um much much cooler than healing and helping people yep yep uh cool i will i will keep that then i'm not going to sell that i can't imagine how much money that would be worth so much yeah i'm assuming um me could sell a couple drops i don't know how many i'll need for my project though so we'll we'll see we'll see um Okay, then that that's all I wanted to do. Didn't I'm you mention something sure. about the frost breath? Oh yeah, I wanted to see if they had any of the the frost dragon crystals or whatever. Uh, go ahead and make me an investigation check. Guidance. Uh, what's sixteen plus eight? Twenty-four. Yes. Looking around, uh, you're not going to find distilled breath or uh, crystals, but what you can find, uh, something else that actually works, is uh, scales. Oh, yes. And uh, you will find the scales of an ice-breathing dragon uh, at Sundrakes, because, of course, he has them, Mm -hmm. uh, available to you for 100 gold each. And you need one scale per potion? Yes. I'm going to go ahead and buy three. I'm pretty sure that's probably all he has. Yeah, I'll buy all three. Oh my god, I have such a list of things that I need to do. Um, I... No, I've got clockwork. I'm fine. Cool. I'm good. Anybody else have things they need to buy? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I need 10 gold more worth of uh, incense. And the then. The tiefling will literally just hand you a stick of incense. Okay. And then also, um, I am going to use the, um, the boyfriend fund to buy one more block of incense. Gotcha. And then I believe that Foostrock was going to fund for one as well. Yes, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm also going to be getting him a block of incense. Uh, For Christmas, you also mentioned a magic circle scroll. Yes, it is. If you want, I looked it up on the same magic. Yep, it's 200 gold. 200 gold, okay. Yep. He does have one. Perfect. Um, Taylor, how, how much, much did uh, did my other stuff cost? Um, I mean, there's nothing special about them, so yeah, uh, like a silver. Okay, um, 
Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Yes, I need another lantern. Sorry. You need another lantern? Uh, probably like a silver as well. Cool. Done. Anybody else? Okay. Sala and Gwen will do their own shopping. Walter will do some shopping. Flameheart doesn't need to shop. Uh, Flameheart's like, yeah. what's money? What is it? No, he knows. He knows. <laughs> uh, I actually need Flameheart's assistance on something. So, but once um, the mask arrives. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, stretchies. Uh, you guys uh, eventually get all your stuff and head to the break. Uh, arriving there and floating down to the ledge with oh, uh, Sala and I completely Gwen. forgot something that I said I was going to do on the way here and then got distracted by yeah. trying to uh, stroke Ash's ego. Um, the um, What's Marin? Bringing up the Marin and Silas stuff, yeah. Uh, I thought that'd be fun for both you and Magda. Anyway, uh, before I get distracted I thought again, it was just nice. I was going to use that is exactly what it was. Was nice, uh, which again, as we've specified, does not always mean good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I will use a sending to Morrigan to let her know that we will be at the break later today to cool. do to start the reckoning stuff and. Yeah, the that's bonds the, yeah. of reckoning. The bond of reckoning. Uh, I will say also. Um, uh, nope, that's a different thing. Never mind. Um, that is also a different thing. Where the fuck is the thing? There it is. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, you guys arrive at the break, um, and Ross is there to meet you. Um, he is in his usual black suit uh, with the red hair slicked back. Uh, but you notice something's a teeny tiny bit different about him. He is taller and less pale than before. Um, but he greets you uh, at the entrance. And uh, as you guys all sat down on the ledge uh, and he sort of dismisses the illusion for you guys to step in, says, okay, so um, lots happened in the uh, days that you were gone. Um, we are ready for the uh, Bonds of Reckoning for you, Mr. Fortune Mayor. And uh, I have rooms also ready for the rest of you, unless you're using your friend uh, Walter's mansion thingy. Uh, but uh, I figure I should tell you all, since especially you, Mr. Fortune Mayor, join in the Court of Reckoning, you are looking at a free man now. I uh, was able to dissolve my bond with Titania. Ooh. Oh. So the Sealy Court no longer has any say in what the Court of Reckoning does. Um, how, uh, how pissed was she? Uh, well, considering the fact that my ma went right to her and told her to her face that, you know, I'm not hers anymore, uh, pretty pissed. Uh, especially because, you know, Titania has been trying to deny for years that Ma's still around. Was anything brought up in that conversation about this guy and, uh, 
Baronestra. Who's this guy? I'm pointing to myself. Okay, I couldn't tell. You're pointing up, not to yourself. Uh, and he looks at you and said, No, we are very careful not to mention you in all of it. Uh, we figured that would cause more problems. Yeah, probably. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway. Don't worry. I'm not stupid, all right? Ross, before uh, we start bad. anything here, though, yeah. I, I do have just a... I don't have time to explain to you why this is uh, an important question. Um, otherwise, the session would run way too long. But uh, just a quick question. Yeah. What do you know about Lorcan's dad? Lorcan's dad? Yeah. Uh, I mean, some asshole who worked for Oberon and then he disappeared. Okay. That's Why? it. Alright, whatever. If I, assume it'll, I assume I will get an explanation later. Yeah. Um, but come in, uh, make yourselves at home. Uh, the Well, basically everybody in the quarter reckoning is here already because they're getting ready for the feast. Um, the, I'm going to warn you ahead, uh, Chris, that the bonds of reckoning is not exactly the most comfortable process. So just be prepared for that. I am. We're not going to rip you apart or anything, but it's just, it's not comfortable. Well, I mean, not without putting me back together, right? Eh. So yeah, you guys make your way into the break. Yeah. I know. Thank you. And now that we're going into the break, we should go to break. We should. That was literally what I was just about to say. Oh my God. We're so cool. Oh my God. <laughs> Are we going to break on time? What? What in the world? Actually, early. Oh, um, let's be back at one o five. Uh, but yeah, uh, go get drinks, snacks, do stuff, and we'll be right back. We right back. Bye. Now I am.
We have returned. Bologna and cheese. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's edible on bread, but on a tortilla? What are you fucking thinking? I hate bologna. Those textures don't go together. Um, I've been anyway. eating there for years. Yeah, and look how you turned out. Wow! wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh I'm kidding. Buddy, I'm sorry. Wow. Um, anyway, anyway, we are uh, all you guys, you guys, <laughs> you guys, uh, you are in the break, uh, chilling out after your journey and your shopping trip. Um, Walter will put up his mansion again, unless you guys prefer to stay in rooms within the break. Um, Ross would have told you that uh, for the moment, stay out of Hala Mordu because it is being prepared for shit. Mm. Um, but uh, as you're all kind of chilling for the evening, uh, what would you like to do before the Bonds of Reckoning ritual? I would like to make another frost breath potion. Okay, make me an alchemy check. Hell yeah, guidance. The universal symbol. Um, what's 16 plus 13? 29. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, as soon as... <laughs> I think I might have advantage on those two. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, you you sit down to make this potion, and you've already figured out so well how to build this potion that there's no trial and error to it, and you have it done, or at least you have it, like, brewing within minutes, and then it'll take a while to, like, fully, like, infuse and brew, Geo. but you basically, you've, you got your potion by the end of the night. Sweet. Thank you. You're welcome. Anybody else? Okay. Uh, Christmas. Sala actually wants to talk to you. Uh, We're breaking up. There's Um, a a sock on the doorknob. Sala can uh come in. There is. I mean, eventually. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Sala, oh Sala comes to you, um, as, like, everybody's, like, settling down for the night, oh. and you guys, of course, share a room. Um, she, uh, sort of snaps away Roswin, and, uh, she steps in, and she says, um, Chris? Uh, can we... Can we talk about the core crystal thing? Yeah, of course. Um, because I think, I think there's something about it that especially Magda should know, but I wanted to run it by you first. Um, and she walks over and sits on the edge of the bed. Um, and uh, you see her like brushing her hair aside and uh, thinking over uh, sort of the experience. And she says, um, I mean, obviously I didn't know what was gonna happen, um, but 
some something happened that I don't think I ever would have expected, especially 300 years after the whole yep. collective thing. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I know exactly what happened. Shut up. <laughs> Mute yourself, goddammit. Um, um, I don't know. I, I, I interrupt all of Noah's uh, really emotional conversation, so I'm, I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah, goddammit. Stop it. Uh, but she says, uh, I thought at the time that if Magda sent me after it, that it was, you know, at least safe to touch. Like it wasn't going to explode on me or anything. But um, when I got close to Kit right before he disappeared, before I even touched the core, um, I think I heard a voice. Um, it was like this deep, like, grating sound, like, like, grinding stone, almost. But it was also kind of sweet. Um, (laughs) uh, it was like he, I, I guess it was, he was trying to be nice, like, asking me to take him away from Kit asking me for help like desperately and I, I I should have stopped right there but I couldn't uh, something compelled me to take hold of the core before I could stop myself and then once I had it everything felt okay like fine, like, good, even. And when when I turned and heard your voice right after that, for the first time since we found each other again, I felt happy and nothing else. No fear of everything after us or the unknown. No worry about the future or the people I love. I felt confident with this thing in my hands. Like I could take care of any problem. And when we went back in, I was really sure of myself. Like like I was certain I'd done the right thing and that you and the others were going to be proud of me. But then the moment you all suggested that I hand over the core, I felt that fear come back. Like, if I let go, it would be misused and I would lose any power to solve my problems. And worst of all, the collective would have it. And that wasn't my own thought. I realize that now. Somehow... The collective getting a hold of the core felt like the worst possible outcome, and I can't explain why. When Kenna tried to take it, I felt this, like, surge of fear, unlike any I've had since Tristan came hunting for me after you disappeared. So, I did the only thing I knew how to do. I tried to run, 
And when Magda and Noah attacked me, I felt like I was being betrayed. And all of my emotions were so heightened and overwhelming. And I believed for a moment that everyone I loved hated me and wanted me dead because of the core. By the time I slipped away from them, my instincts to fly kicked in so hard that I was ready to disappear and never come back. But then I saw you. And I remembered that my family didn't want to hurt me. They were trying to help me. And this this thing, it, it was doing something horrible to me. I could barely think outside of just trying to get to you. And I don't say this to hurt you further because I know you are struggling with this. When you drew the ace, I think my mind broke for a second. It sort of split in two. On one hand, I felt clarity and relief. And on the other hand, I felt this horrible guilt that I made you do that to me. But then the fire hit me and I just felt relief and just shut down. And I, I think I would have passed out anyway, honestly. It was just too much. And in that moment when I was unconscious, I heard the voice again. And he was yelling at me, berating me for being useless, fragile, helpless. And I woke up feeling exactly that, not to mention stupid. And then I saw you and the voice went away and I, I felt safe. But I, I just thought you should know about that because visions and people talking to us and all of that is usually not a good thing unless it's somebody we already know and I'm really scared at who I think it was because I don't know that much about the staves but I do know who's associated with them and it wasn't Sob's voice and it wasn't a voice I knew Yeah. I haven't heard it since. You and I both know what it's like to be manipulated by strong and powerful people. You know, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything about 
the staves either, but I also have a sneaking suspicion as to whose voice it was that you were hearing. And part of me, part of me every day asks, why in the world did I let myself get so caught up in all of this? You know, why can't I just live a regular life and just be ignorant of all of this? They say ignorance is bliss, and boy, I sure bet it fucking is. Um, but, you know, we... We have to help people. We've been put into a position here where these things are going to happen. And when they do, I, I do think that you should probably talk to Magda about this because Magda knows a whole lot more about this shit than I do. Yeah. But these things are going to happen. And we need to make sure that when they do happen, we know who our friends are and the very first time that I saw you again I pointed a gun at you and I don't know if it's because I knew somewhere deep down ahead of time that you weren't someone that I wanted to hurt but that gun it, it wasn't loaded remember and you said you would never do anything to hurt me. And no matter how confused I was about whatever this is ahead of that, I knew one thing for damn sure in that moment was that I believed you because I rolled a natural 20 uh, that I believed you. And that's all I've been holding on to since then. And based on what you're telling me, I mean, evidently that's more powerful than... Just lore check here real quick. Uh, yeah. That voice was most definitely Olgar Heidelin, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, okay, rewind. Uh, based on what you're telling me, it sounds like that is enough to uh, beat even even just for a moment something as powerful as, as Olgar Heidelin. And, and Sophie uh, Veneer did it. Yeah, well... If it is, then a normal life be damned. We have everything that we need to help whoever we need to help. Like I said, if you're not here at the end of all this, it's not worth it. Look, I'm glad you told me this, but I'm going to be real with you, Sala. Uh, I love you to death, 
We need to throw a party or something. We need a party real bad because everyone is just feeling real down lately. It was me a couple days ago. Uh, It's been Magda every day since I've known her. Uh, I saw Noah and Flameheart taking a walk. Um, I don't. I don't know. That just seemed a little bit odd. Who knows? Noah maybe had some words of wisdom, and but I don't know. We just that damn cat won't stop meowing. I don't even know whose it is. (laughs) It's Ross's. I don't know. I I think we just need to... uh, Just need to stop letting things happen to us. Oh, man. God damn it, Titan. Jesus Christ. Get out of here. Um, That's why I'm doing this, by the way. This isn't. I mean, I, I love this place. I, I love the Feywild. I, I, th- I think it's more my home than than Atlaren is at this point. Yeah. But I'm not doing this because I want a new boss. I'm not doing this because I want the power that it may give me. I'm just doing this because these people seem like they're trying to help and do the right thing. And that's who I want to be working with. Yeah, I've um, I've been thinking a lot about the implications of you doing this. And at first I wanted to persuade you not to do it. But then I realized that, I mean, it suits what you're all about and honestly have always been about, even before you lost your memory. And while I don't think I would join with you anytime soon, maybe someday if it turns out to be a good idea, I want you to know that I'm going to be here to help you the whole way. You don't have to tell me that. I already know. And I love you too. Um... I bought an extra block of incense. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure what to do with it, because it seems like there's more pressing things that it could be used for, and I don't want to... It sounds indulgent and self-congratulatory to assume any sort of legendary importance that I have on the world. But I can't help thinking that I could use a spell on myself. Learn what happened to me, how I lost my memory, learn you know, things that maybe I shouldn't know. If I'm being completely honest with you, 
ever since I learned that someone wiped my memory uh, and despite all of the questions that I've asked about you know other people being the ones that have done it I have always been afraid that the reason why my memory is wiped is because I wanted it to be can I can I offer you a theory because I actually just talked to Morrigan sure um I uh I haven't talked to her before this and honestly I shocked myself by walking up to her alone um but I I asked her what the terms of joining the Court of Reckoning were because I wanted to know what you were getting yourself into and then I asked her what would happen to your, you know, bond with Veronestra and the Seely and any other bonds that you might have. And she told me all of them would be broken. And I think a lot of us are suspicious that Veronestra is the one who wiped your memory. And I asked her if there was anything that could be done about that if you wanted to. And um, from what I know from Noah, you have a spell on you that's changed your memory. And Morrigan said that that spell might break in the course of the ritual. what will happen to me if it does I am too because I'm scared to know what what you'll remember that I don't know what happened to you that day and if I'm being honest with myself I'm also worried for you and the things that you're going to remember about some of the crows and Tristan because you were so close with Tristan for a while and the two of you falling apart because of me was really hard to watch and I don't want you to feel that again well, it won't be anything I haven't felt before. It doesn't make it better. I've told you, though, that um, I won't keep secrets from you. So anything that I learn, no matter what it is, you're going to know. 
I will tell you. No matter what it is, no matter how much it hurts, I will tell you. Unless it's that I'm secretly your brother, in which case, there, you, I don't even know. That Chris, will there's that bridge if we get to it. There's a fundamental problem with that theory, honey. We're. I know. Uh, okay. Speaking of brothers and uh, not keeping secrets from each other, I wanted to tell you something that I had an idea about as it relates to Tristan. Okay. But this one is just for you. Because I think that this secret is best kept safe between the two of us until the time is right. been spending a lot of time in Walter's library and learning about myself from you know a magical point of view and I believe with enough study practice and overcoming enough obstacles I am capable of learning a spell that would bring Nathan back. However, I don't think I can do that if Saab has a hold of his soul. Which means I may be able to, if the circumstances are dire, talk Tristan into really helping us defeat Sav because if he does help us defeat Sav it means that he can have his brother back I want so badly for Tristan to be able to make something better of himself. I... I know he hates me, but... I still care about him. Not the way I used to. But with that, I just... He used to be someone that I was proud to be with. He used to be somebody that we all trusted and looked up to. Yeah, we were criminals, but we weren't hurting people. We were just doing business and making money and trying to survive in this place. And he used to be all about loyalty and family and I would love to see him get some of that back. But it has to be him who wants it. Tristan needs to answer for what he's done, no matter what. There's no getting away from that. All I want to do is give him a choice to do the right thing before that happens. I think everyone deserves that. 
I think after we get this, you know, break and the reascension and all of that crazy shit, we should reach out and try to talk to him. Because I don't know about the rest of you, but I I noticed the last few times we've talked to him, he's gotten less aggressive each time. And, you know, barring thinking we killed Nathan, but he remembers that you and I are or were his family. And I, I know he doesn't want to hurt us. At least the Tristan I knew didn't want to ever hurt us. And I think he's still there. It's kind of like with you. My Tristan isn't there anymore, but pieces of him still are. Well, honey, be careful what you ask for, because if this whole Bonds of Reckoning thing goes the way that it's been described, you might be getting both the old and new Christmas at the same time. I apologize. What, you mean you'll become more dramatic again? And more prone to getting yourself killed? Hopefully not that one. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but I would rather not have to rely on Gwyn to save your ass every time again. Me too. So, moving on. Uh, I do want to get to Vaughn's Reckoning today. So, is there anything else anybody needs to do before the ritual and such? Because this is going to be a fucking time. I actually want Uh, to talk to Sala for the next hour and a half. Is that fine? (laughs) Um, Would it be possible for me to work on the lantern for Sala? Yeah, you can start working on it. Okay. Do you want me to roll anything for it? Um, Not this time. We'll do that uh, in the future as you're finishing it up. Okay. I'm just going to start working on it then. Anybody else? You're muted, bud. I know. I was actually talking to myself. I was going to bring up all the sad shit I have planned out for this. Yeah. Magda, Fustrak? Uh, I don't really have anything until Christmas does the legend lore that I requested. Okay. Uh, in the future and until the night of the reascension. Okay. We're going to see. Oh, and training with Gwyn, but that's not a lot. I oh, would, yeah. I'm going to let yeah. you know, Harris, that that um, sending is going to take place during this week, but probably closer to the end of it. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, uh, Gwen and Fustrak have been training, and actually Gwen has come to each of you separately to, like, see if she can pick up some different skills. So, currently her thing is martial training with Fustrak, a little bit of martial and skill training with Magda, and some healing stuff with uh, Noah and Christmas. And then Sala is uh, another sparring partner. 
to the point that I'm pretty sure Christmas has walked into like the room where they're sparring and watched like Sala take a flying leap at Gwen and like bounce off her shield uh, and just land on her feet and be like, hi, honey, and then go back at it. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, Gwen is working very hard. I When I have downtime, I would like to say that I'm also working with Sala a little bit about being sneakier. Yeah. Just a little bit. We're just training to be a little bit sneakier. Okay. You're yeah. you're learning from her? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, cool. That's that's good. I like that that she's trading back and forth with you. Yeah. Um she's also a little bit interested in uh potion craft, so she's she's definitely like trying to learn like just basic stuff from oh, you. Oh. I will um, absolutely like stick a few extra pages in the back of her spell book and start copying in like potion recipes. Aw, that's so cute. Um, yeah, and she uh, she's she'll she'll tell you she won't tell you details, but she'll tell you she's working on a project for you in return. Um, so is it worth 30,000 uh, gold? <laughs> would be uh, it could be to the right buyer. Uh, but uh, the following day, uh, as you all prepare for the bonds of reckoning, uh, the break uh, sort of comes to life with guests that are coming in specifically for the reascension. Um, but uh, I'm the shitty local artist that opens up for like a really famous band, just basically yeah. what it is. Yeah, oh my yeah God. half the audience is there to watch, and they're just like, oh, this guy just happens to be here. I guess we can watch that. Uh, whatever. Wait for the important shit. Yeah. Rearrange my notes here. So, <clears throat> uh, in the morning, uh, everybody gathers up for breakfast. Uh, I assume, breakfast. Uh, being that there are so many people in the break, you guys are staying in Walter's mansion. Um, Walter has been kind of keeping to himself and like helping Ooh. you guys out as needed. Wait, hold on, hold what? on, hold on. If it, we are waiting until the next day, I am going yes. to use sending the night or not sending. I'm going to use legend lore the night before. Oh God, on who? Bed. On who? Lorcan. Hearsome. On Hearsome. Fuck, that's the one that I don't have ready. Uh, <laughs> I was going to be doing. That. Yeah. Listen. We, per- we said that days ago. I have been busy all week because I just moved. So You're lucky so you got Serena. You moved then so, all of so question then, because I'm picking yes. here some based on what I had pre-prepped for today. Uh, would it be easier to do Hearsome or Reziel? For you. Oh, that's a question, isn't it? Because I was going to do Hearsome just based off of this would probably be easier for Taylor to do. But if you're not prepared for either one, then I'm going to do Reziel instead because that seems like okay. it's going to give me information I'm looking for anyways. I So we can do one of two things. We can either say you cast Legend Lore and I'll give you the information when I got it. Or we can do Reziel because I have him at the forefront of my mind. right Let's now. Let's do Reziel. Okay. Let me reopen my Ozdala notes. Serena Octan. A.K.A. Lorcan's grandpa. Or dad. Yeah. That's what I yeah. meant to say. Um, so, 
Uh, as I said before, uh, Azdala and Reziel were the moth and scorpion companions of Sav that he gave humanoid forms to. Uh, they're able to shapeshift and all that fun shit. And they are Sav's dearest children. His, uh, his hands, his eyes, his ears in the world of Atlaren. Uh, being that Ozdala was the person sort of enacting plans, uh, setting uh, setting the traps and setting the way for uh, Sav's work, Reziel was primarily... God damn it. I hate this computer. Uh, sorry, I hit a button and now shit's going crazy. Um, Reziel was primarily a scout messenger go-between, that sort of thing. Um, and while he was incredibly important during the dissolution, he didn't actually enact any of the plans or do any of the fighting. Um, from legend lore, you would gather that basically uh, he acts as, uh, along with being a messenger and scout, he also acts as a sort of... Uh, forgive the pun, but the fly on the wall for his sister and father. Um, spying on Balin gods back then, spying on potential targets, potential vessels for Sav. Um, but the most notable things that he had a direct uh, participation in was uh, the in the fall of Morrigan. Um, he, uh, basically Ozdala and Baylor were working together, uh, to sort of unify the Fomorians in an effort to strike down Morrigan, which was successful. And the reason that it was so successful was that Raziel was able to start turning some of the, what you would, what what could be considered the former court of reckoning, uh, turning it against Morrigan. It was not known as the court of reckoning back then, um, but basically playing on everybody's fears and insecurities and causing them to leave Morrigan's side or turn against her. And he was sort of whispering in ears, uh, supporting these doubts. Um, and he was also there to watch uh, Talon and Senna's other daughter, Maida, uh, watch her die. He was basically watching uh, their uh, Senna and Talon's son, Talmer, kill her to make sure it was actually done. Um, and uh, Raziel was also the favored nephew of Ilarka up until basically Sav cut ties. Um, the other thing that he had the most direct influence in was indeed the birth of Lorcan and Malin. Uh, Reziel, uh, after the dissolution, uh, started to ingratiate himself in the Feywild with the Seelie Court, and uh, he took the form of an... Uh, yeah, it would be an Eladrin uh, warrior who basically came in, impressed Oberon with a little bit of help from Ozdala, um, and was named among his warriors and became a minor archfey, granted immortality 
Oberon didn't know who he really was and that he was already immortal. Um, but granted all the trappings that come with being a green warrior of Oberon. And along the way, uh, Raziel took notice of, uh, of course, a very beautiful nymph, but a particular one that he saw uh, potential in mm-hmm. and that he saw as possibly being a future tool for Ozdala and Sav. And he uh, pursued her endlessly, but she was really, really resistant. Um, And just as he was about to give up on her, she finally relented. And they had this sort of like whirlwind romance and then uh, culminating in a one night stand where he basically got what he wanted and walked away. His job done. And he waited very patiently until she had children. Uh, his children, Nalan and Lorca, as Lorcan used to be known. Um, he was rather disappointed that they were both girls. Uh, but he still did what he could with the cards he was dealt and very, very subtly influenced things around them, never directly uh, interfering in their lives uh, until they were made handmaidens of Titania because they were so beautiful uh, and would uh, frame her very well. And uh, he watched as the two developed magic and uh, these connections within the Seelie court, especially with Hearsome, whom he was also watching after uh, on Ozdala and Sav's word. And uh, he basically continued to encourage this relationship to cultivate, be cultivated without ever directly interfering himself. And then Lorcan ruined it. Uh, Lorcan uh, transitioned to the Lorcan you guys know now. Um, and that put Hearsome off because Hearsome doesn't like men. Uh, and uh, basically, Reziel was just about ready to scrap Lorcan, just like get him out of the way. Uh, but he saw the potential opportunity when he realized Hearsome was interested in Nalan. Uh, and so he, with Hearsome, uh, basically arranged for Lorcan to take the fall for some crimes that Hearsome had been suspected of, uh, which included allowing Fomorians into the Seelie court. Um, and so basically to keep Hearsome on his side, uh, Reziel slowly pushed Nalan toward him and started pulling Lorcan away using uh, basically anything at his disposal, but especially uh, inciting some bad luck for Lorcan and sending Fomorians after him all the time until Lorcan was kicked out of the Seelie court, found guilty of crimes that Hearsome had actually committed. And uh, Titania stripped Lorcan of his uh, archfey status, or at least most of it, uh, and sent him to the world of Atlaren. But then Raziel realized, why throw him away when you can recycle him? And he realized that 
as a minor archfey with a lot of connections, Lorcan could still be useful. And so when Sav came looking for a new avatar, a new vessel, Reziel was like, oh, I happen to have a son that you could use. And uh, yeah, Reziel handed his own son to Sav on a silver platter while also letting a horrible archfey uh, take advantage of his own daughter. Uh, yeah. And basically do the same thing that Reziel did to Petrata. This has got some really intense Cindy Moore vibes. and I Don't it, though? Don't like it. Yeah. Fucking Cindy was the worst. Fucking Cindy. I mean, at this point, do we even need to legend lore hear some? <laughs> no. He's just a dick. He really yeah. is. Um, wonderful. I tell everyone this. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, and also, to be clear, um, the the moth thing. Uh, Lorcan's thing has always been the Luna moth. That is not a Sav thing. Um, Reziel's thing. Uh, let me. Is it the the death moth or whatever? Uh, the death's head moth. Yeah. Reziel's thing is an Atlas moth. Hmm. Excuse me while I Google that. Chunky. It's, it's orange and white. It's huge. It's Ooh, those are beautiful. Yeah. Well. Ooh. I yeah. see the end game now. Don't yeah. Care. Kill Sav's kids. And then Sav. Uh, and then Sav. Yeah. If we can. Yeah, that's... get mini bosses. I have wanted to know why Lorcan for so long. Now we know. Yeah. The sad thing yeah. is, Lorcan doesn't even know. Like, he's never known. Yeah. But Lorcan is not just a minor archfey. He's technically a demigod. <laughs> well, on that note, after I tell yeah. everyone, I go to bed. Cool. Oh my god, this is one of the biggest moths in the world. Yeah. yeah. They have a wingspan of almost 10 inches. I did say yeah. giant moths. Holy shit. 10 inches is like a lot though like yeah. i've seen moths that are like five or six and like yeah no i know that's an obscene that's amount huge it's like it's called an atlas moth for a reason my god yeah uh but yes christmas does share around with you guys uh lorkin's origins and those of Reziel. uh i'm assuming which... we tell nobody about that only the party yeah, because uh, that seems damaging. Well, we know who we got to. We didn't figure out where Reziel was right now, did, uh, did we? Because we know. We don't know where Serena is either. No, you don't know exactly where Well, they are. no, but we know that, like, she is Serena, so I didn't know if Reziel was also, like, uh, about. Reziel, you would find out Reziel is a regular shapeshifter and he's constantly moving between 
but he's constantly moving through the demiware because he's communicating between Ozdala and Sav. So he never sticks so, anywhere very long. That actually would indicate that he's the weaker party because if Serena can't go through the demiware and he can, he's basically yeah. like us. So well, we pick him off first. He's just a smaller mm-hmm. entity. Yeah. We pick him off first, then yep, the Serena, then <laughs> yeah, go so, save yeah, Lorcan uh-huh. and be like, "Hey, we're gonna go kill your dad." Let yeah. me add um, electric bug zapper, arcane bug zapper <laughs> to my uh, <laughs> list of things to make. Yeah, come on, get some, yeah. get some magic uh, mosquito spray going. That's what yeah, we're yeah. Here. Let's commit some patricide. Mm-hmm. Patricide via. <laughs> Uh, insecticide. No, we could just oh, tell yeah. Lorcan after we insecticide, insecticide, not insecticide. <laughs> Man, if we had insecticide, the sounds would be very different. Is what I meant to say. Oh my God. Whoops. Anyway, uh, yes. Uh, but the next day, my brain is going to. As you guys are uh, preparing for the bonds of reckoning, you've basically been told. Uh, you don't really need to do that much that Morgan is taking care of most of it. Um, but uh, let me grab the actual notes. I apologize for the notes that you're going to have to type up for this session, which is just yeah. lore, 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 lore. I mean, most of it except for Reziel is already written. So Well, there's that at least. Um, um, does this take place in the morning or does this take place later at night? Up to you guys. Oh, okay. Because I just want to know if I have time to work on more stuff, or if this like happens right away. I think. Do your shit. It... Do it later yeah. in the day. Do your shit. Okay. Anyway. Also, anyway, I I totally forgot that I wanted to do this, but I wanted to go find Nolan because uh, fucking Lorkin told me to in my funky ass dream. Yeah. And you said it was close by. Yep. So Well it's I don't not know. close, but it's you within you a remember day. the whole plot point from last time, right, where we were going to talk to nymphs and dryads about finding a place finding that specific place and getting led there, right? No. Okay. You really I remember need to take notes. <laughs> I do take notes. Not enough, apparently. Oh my god. I'm Um, sorry. I have a lot going on in my life. (laughs) Just take notes uh, while we're playing. I'm I'm going to then... um, That mask hasn't shown up, right? Since time is wonky? No. Okay. Then I'm going to keep working on that lantern of revealing... Uh, yes. Let's move on to the quarter reckoning stuff so we can actually get to it. Because I realized with how much we've done today, we're not going to get to the super, like, fun combat thing I had planned until next session. So I apologize. Oh, boo. I'm sorry, but I promise it'll happen. Let's next just session. do the combat first. No, we can't because it has to take place after the. I'm anyway. pretty sure that I have zero lore dumps after the the quarter reckoning stuff. Anyway. Oh, do you? Any way. Stop it. <sighs> As you guys, shut up. As you guys get together. <laughs> 
for the Court of Reckoning stuff. Um, you are met at the doors to the uh, entry of Hallamore Dew by Ross, uh, as well as a small uh, group of different fae creatures and people, um, who some of them you've seen before meeting with Morrigan. Um, and it looks like several of them are there to just kind of see who Christmas is. Um, but as you guys are walking up, uh, Sala has hold of Christmas's arm. Um, she's, she's worried about you today. Um, but, uh, Ross steps up in front of you all and says, All right, mortals, are we, uh, ready to do this? Ready as we're Sure. I, he is. I, I'm just mostly watching. Yep, I'm here. Chris? I'm ready. Doesn't sound very confident. I'm ready? What do you... I mean... That's right. less confident. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he turns and uh, pushes the doors open, and you see that uh, instead of the garden or the office that you've seen before... Uh, the doors open up uh, into this gorgeous meadow um, <clears throat> that is partly surrounded by this stream that like bends around it. And uh, you see in the center of this meadow, there is a very tall sort of Viking Age-esque like temple. Like, you know, those really tall, very steeply pitched roofs with the like uh figureheads on the uh on the corners you see this gigantic structure uh this long hall for all intents and purposes and uh you see that perched on each of these sort of figureheads are crows but they're real crows they're not Ooh. just made of wood it's just um people in green bandanas just yeah. perched on top of these poles totes um and you see that gathered outside of this temple looking structure are even more people uh a very wide variety of you know fey mortals uh eladrin fomorians a few people that are probably former or current crows um and uh, you see that the doors at the front are slowly being opened, these two-story tall doors that are set with uh, carved reliefs of different stories from Morrigan's past. But most, uh, most noticeable across this sort of temple-looking hall and these doors is the recurring uh, image of the Triskel. Um, and uh, you do see as you arrive that perched on one of these like figureheads is not a crow, but a phoenix. Ethvara, in fact, is here. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, you're sort of ushered forward by these strangers and Ross. Um, and the crowd around the doors, they're like getting ready to go in, but they turn and look back and they all sort of part for uh, Christmas and Ross to step through. Uh, you can see that everybody here definitely knows who Ross is, and they've got a good idea of who you are. Uh, within the hall uh, is this long open space lined on either side with uh, sort of the long like dining tables and benches uh, covered in like candles uh, and braziers. 
and on these raised uh, platforms on either side, there are additional braziers, fireplaces, more seating. Um, this hall looks like it could probably comfortably fit around 500 people. Um, and at the end, you see set against the, the far back, uh, raised on these sort of tiers of stone, there is a, you could refer to it as a throne, but it's a little understated. It is a wooden chair with like arms and padding, but there's no great artistry about it. It is very simple and it is very similar to many of the other chairs in the hall, just with a higher back. Um, it's not imposing. It does not scream power and prestige. And sitting uh, sort of on the edge of the seat with uh, her legs crossed and her hands resting in her lap, uh, dressed in this beautiful black gown with pieces of armor uh, placed over it, ceremonial armor, uh, you see Morrigan. Uh, her hair, long black hair, which is usually loose, has been pulled back into sort of this half-up fashion that will keep it out of her face, but still let part of it flow free. Um, and you can see perched on these uh, um, on these, God, what are they called on a chair? Like on a on a bed, they're called bed knobs. The like things at the end of the posts. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. But these like these like post toppers on either side. There's a pair of twin crows uh, sitting on either side of her that are like huge, like to the point where you almost think they're ravens. Um, and as you enter the hall with Ross. Morrigan looks up and smiles to see you all. Uh, and she rises from her seat. And you can see that while she is still fairly simple and kind of almost diminutive at this point, she has started to get a little taller and get a little more color back to her. Like you can see it coming back, this power that is about to return to her. And uh, she steps down these uh, stone stairs to come and meet you. And she reaches out and takes you by the shoulders, Christmas. And she leans in and actually kisses your forehead. Um, and she says, well, Mr. Fortuner, I uh, hope you're ready for all of this. No last minute change in your mind? No, just... Can you, can you just let me know before the old bond breaks? There's something that I'm going to need to do before it's gone. Well, if there is something you need to do, you should do it now, because once we start, we can't stop. Okay. Um, I'm going to send a message to Varanestra. Um, I am going to use. Let's see what I got. You're gonna break up with her over a text. Yeah. Little turd. They were already broken up for years. It's a, new <laughs> it's a new day, so I've got all my spell slots. So I'm gonna burn yes. three third level spell slots. Okay. 
and I'm going to say, uh, while I'm casting this, um, you're about to be furious, but no, I am not doing this out of hate. You've kept secrets from me. I don't resent you for that. That's not what this is about. Because I also know all you've done for me. I love this place and everything in it. That includes you. I'm doing this to fight for the Feywild, for its people, for you. Hopefully someday we can walk through our garden again as friends. Before she can respond, I cut the spell. Okay. Are you Don't. able to do that? I didn't know you I'm going to let it happen. Thing. I'm going to let it happen. Fucking love it. It's great. I have a response anyway. That'll come later. Um, so, after you send that off, of course you don't get a response. Um, <clears throat> uh, once you finish that, you feel Sala sort of squeeze your arm before she sort of steps back and lets you go. Um, as the rest of the Fae and the people who are attending step in, um, and you see Morrigan start greeting everyone, and she knows each person by name. Um, and uh, Ross, uh, who's still beside you, just sort of leans down and says quietly, uh, you don't have to remember everybody's names, but uh, this, is, this is the council. These are Morrigan's uh, Ma's advisors. I steal a glance over at Effie mm -hmm. on Fustrock's belt. Yeah. Anything happen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you guys will have seen that uh, her arm has blackened up to the shoulder over this time, uh, but you actually get to see it in real time as one of her legs blackens up about halfway. She also coyly just turns away from looking at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, little by little, people file in, take seats, gather around, and uh, you watch as a number of uh, larger people, like a couple minotaurs, a couple centaurs, uh, actually haul in this large, like, stone basin uh, and when I say large I mean about 10 by 10 um, and they set it down in front of the sort of throne that sits overlooking all of this uh, and you watch more people walk in carrying buckets of something you think it might be water but there might be more to it than that uh, and they start filling up this, this basin um, and you watch Morgan step up to it and uh, draw out this box and she starts scattering things into the water um, and you watch it all start to slowly start to spin just very gently not picking up speed but um, eventually as everyone is seated and the rest of the crew except for Christmas uh, you guys get seats right up front because you are guests of honor at this particular thing 
While we're sitting down, I'm gonna lean over to Gwen and I'm like, did we ever discuss that uh, if if Morgan reascending is like a good thing? Did we ever have that conversation? I mean, I assumed it's a good thing. I don't know, like, reascending sounds bad. Well, I mean, she's a goddess and she died. She has to reascend. I I guess so. I don't know. I mean, she's never done anything that I'm particularly mad about. That I know of. Yeah. I guess I just don't know that much about her. But... Well, we can ask after this. Or do you want to... What? Raise an objection or something? No. No. I'm done doing the impulse thing. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I'm not gonna Thank ruin, you. like, yeah, this not event, I guess. Also, what is Christmas? Is he gonna become, is he trading in his pact for Morgan's pact? Sounds like, like yeah. Oh my god. He's an idiot. Aren't we all? Yeah, but he's an extra idiot. I don't know, you've done some pretty dumb things yourself. Okay, well, I'm not signing my soul away to two separate entities who I don't know anything about, so... Well, Christmas is doing one at a time, so... There is that. Anyway... That's all. That's all. I'm just, you know what? I'm doing that. I'm doing, if I have a problem with something, I bring it up to you to see if I'm being crazy or not first. I don't think you're crazy for being concerned, but I also think that this is what Chris needs to do. Okay. If he has to like kill us all in some sort of ritual sacrifice or something, then I'm not I'm not gonna be friends with him anymore. Just saying. You know, something tells me that Morrigan is too She's too high up there for ritual sacrifices to really be of notice to her. I think we'll be fine. She's not all Gar Highbone. Fair point. Fair point. That you know of. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, as everything starts to settle and the hall quiets down, uh, Ross steps up beside Morrigan and Chris. Christmas, you'll see the two of them like quietly conversing uh, before Ross takes the box that she was like scattering things from and he takes that away. And she goes around to stand behind this basin facing toward the rest of the hall. And as she raises her hands to her side, the entire hall goes silent. Um, And she looks over everybody um, and begins to speak to the entire hall. Actually, hold on. She's going to do one other thing first. 
pulled. Um, first, before that, uh, she is going to pull Christmas up front with her and speak to you one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and as she places her hands on your shoulders once more, uh, Titan, shut up. Uh, she says... Damn cat just follows me everywhere I go. <laughs> like I said, it's Ross's cat. Um, she looks down at you and she says, no. Joining the Court of Reckoning is no small dedication, Mr. Fortune. It is a responsibility that you cannot abandon once your personal goals are met. Not that I think you would. But if you should choose to go forth under the banner of my court, you will remain, empo- you will remain empowered, but also beholden to it for ten years. When your contract is complete, you are, of course, welcome to go on about a normal life or return to the court once more. If you should, and this is all things that you should know ahead of time, I want to make sure you're informed. If you should die during your service to the Reckoning, or remain our friend to the end of your days, even outside official service, I can promise you a place within Hollamordu and your most beloved ones would be welcome to join you. And I assure you, Hollamordu is far, far greater than what you've seen thus far. Um, And she gestures to the hall around her and says, after all, this is the true hall within Hollamordu. This is Dune 5. And uh, there is much, much more to be seen beyond this. Um, This place is a reflection of the Feywild, where my greatest warriors of the blade and the pen take their rest. And it is where I gather my council made up of people from all walks. This is the heart of the reckoning, to say the very least, where my darling boy was born, where I once spent days, weeks, months even with my beloved Senna and her beautiful family. It is to me what your garden is to you. It is what your Sala is to you. And if you would help me protect this and the Feywild and do good in these broken worlds, I would be most humbled. All of that doom and gloom aside, Christmas Fortune Mayor, because I believe that is your truest name, I would like to begin welcoming you to the Court of Reckoning. By your leave, shall we get started? Only ten years? Ten at a time. We can start. Um, She uh, sort of uh, takes you to her side, but keeps you up there with her. Are you okay? What's up? There's a kitty behind you. Oh, kitty, yeah. How about... Yeah, I put his cat tree there just very specifically. Nobody on stream's going to be able to see him, but you guys can. They can see everything but his face. Cool. Uh, uh, but she faces the council and all of the guests. And she says, welcome everyone back to Hollamordu and Dubaith. Uh We are here today to welcome a new member to our number. Somebody that I have... Quite a bit of confidence in 
someone that I think will be able to help us make a difference beyond the Feywild, which we all roam. I would like to start by telling a bit of a story to catch everyone up, because some of you haven't been here as long as others, and some of you are brand new friends and guests, and she looks at the crew and smiles to you all. And she begins by saying, I was there when the Monomaric came to the world of Atlaren, before the world even had its name. I watched new people emerge, terrified and intrigued, and I saw the people that already called the world home look on with similar trepidation. I stood in the midst of wars between new and old as they fought out of fear and of the unknown, instead of just taking a moment to try and learn about one another. I was there when the Manaholt Order and the Geary Chieftains and the Chosen of the Balin came together to strike a lasting peace between the Monomar and the other peoples of the North. I saw Haven rise and all these gorgeous little temples with it. I watched the Dalmariga be carved into Mount Ulakar. I nearly burst with pride seeing my dear Senna preside over her beloved people, her children, not to mention the rest of her lovely family and their people. I stood beside Ursan, my dear brother-in-arms, as he brought the first of his people to Vern Isle and showed them where his anchor tree lay. I, enjoy count uh, I enjoyed countless hours of watching mortals learn about their new world. And so, though the Feywild is my first love, the prime material of Atlaren is a close second, and I have missed it so much. My darling boy has tried to be my eyes and ears, but it doesn't stand in for being there myself. And so, while today is for Mr. Christmas Fortune Mare, all of you are welcome at the end of this week with the coming of the new moon to join me as I finally return in my full form to the Feywild and the world of Atlaren within the Demiware. And there's a pretty good like smattering of applause going around and several, you can tell who's like really excited about this and they, they definitely seem like older, more, uh, experienced members of her council whereas others are like oh shit i didn't know that was gonna happen um but uh she will go on to, hold on i lost my spot in my notes um uh she says my dear Talon was gracious enough, even in his grief back when Senna was taken from him, to give me a chance to move my home and my work within the bounds of the Demiware before it closed, so that I could still stay in my beloved Feywild and access the prime material despite my weakened state after falling to Baylor. And when the Demi-Weir was about to close for good, I promised him that when I re-emerged from healing, that I would look after the Balin's beloved mortal children myself. Thus, my court of reckoning was born with the Demi-Weir, and any who shared its ideals were welcomed and still are. Fey, Fomorian, demon, angel, monster, and mortal. If you love these worlds and want to fight for them and see them heal and grow, you are exactly what the reckoning is all about. After all, 
The reckoning is not revenge or retaliation. It is demolition and restoration. Redemption of the good which was ruined. Redemption of those who buckled under the weight of terrible circumstances and destruction of those who waited upon them. This court is not one of law and order, nor does it claim to be the ultimate judge. We of the reckoning know that we all, myself included, are fallible, changeable, and imperfect. We make mistakes, but it is the duty of we who carry the reckoning to right wrongs as best we can, and to try to leave these worlds better than we found them. We are but flowers of garden meant to grow, change, and bloom in fleeting, fantastic beauty before our time is up. And when we are gone, we shall endeavour to leave behind the seeds of future blooms, so that others may beautify these worlds in our stead. Even I shall be fleeting, a blink in the universe's eye. But like all of you, I strive to be a good memory when all is said and done. And today, we welcome another bloom into our collective garden. Mr. Christmas Fortuner, a man of interesting origins, you could say. His secrets and his story are not mine to tell, but suffice to say, he is risking everything and trying to protect that which he loves most by joining our ranks. He loves the Wyatt. He cares for people who will hate him for changing allegiances, even though it's in their best interest. He has family to protect, wrongs to undo, and an understanding that revenge is rarely the answer. He has learned that it, ne that it never makes anything better, or that it rarely makes everything anything better, and it, in fact, often backfires. He has asked to join the reckoning, not just for himself, but for everyone he loves. And with the approval of this council, I would welcome him into the fold. And you see her cast her uh, gaze towards uh, a tall man uh, that you have to think must be a mix between Eladrin and Goliath. He's tall, sort of dark grayish skin. And she says, Master Steros, have there been any objections from the council? And this man very simply stands and says, none, madam. And she turns uh, toward Christmas and she says, then in the name of the reckoning and of Hollamore Dew and the greater Feywild, Christmas Fortune Mare, I'd relieve you of all bonds to the Seely and any other binding contract within the Feywild. And I bind you now not to me, but to the reckoning itself and the ideals of redemption, restoration, and salvation. Do you accept? It's so, I'm just such a, a silly person that I can't help but make jokes at the worst times. But uh, Christmas would say, uh, I do. But Zach really wants to say, I do. God helping me. Because uh, that's just, a, that's a Christian reformed thing. Anyway, I'm cool. religiously traumatized. <laughs> uh, I know. I do. And uh, as you speak these words... You notice out of the corner of your eye, this basin that has been slowly turning begins to pick up speed. 
and you watch that uh, this like dried plant matter that was scattered in and bits of residuum and other materials start to gather in the center and the water begins to actually form a larger bowl than the basin and actually comes up over the sides but does not spill out and morrigan reaches out toward it and you watch as a burst of fire comes out of the center of it and this amalgamation of the major four elements begins to come out of this basin in this swirling, almost funneling torrent and begins to wrap around you. Uh, the rest of you will see that as this torrent of water comes out, um, there is a growing sort of light coming from the flecks of residuum and uh, magical components that they begin to glow almost like fireflies caught in the water, green and yellow and red. And as the water sort of cocoons around Christmas, everything suddenly loses all of that like summery and autumnal color and becomes this vibrant purple, similar to uh, one of Morrigan's colors. And Christmas, in this blinding violet flash, you feel the water cascade over you, but you yourself are not left like dripping, soaking wet as all the water just sort of spills out across the floor. And in that flash of light, this horrific pain rips through your head. And I have some things to tell you. Oh boy. Oh. <sighs> Here's all of your memories back right now, because I mean, Veronastro was the one who erased yeah. them. <laughs> you know, to be fair though, when when it, the way I've always understood this happening is like you get it all back and it is so hard to make sense of any of it. Yeah. So you just kind of latch onto pieces. So, yeah. Let me give you a few pieces. Uh, five years of your life, starting with the moment that Varanestra pulled you into the Feywilds from your home in Lachmanos. Reginald Bandoncret fell away for Christmas Fortune there. And the time that you spent with Veronestra initially was building your garden. You already know this part. Um, you spent months with her in this intense romance that was fueled by creativity and just the thrill of new things. And while it was wonderful, there was one thing that you couldn't do while you were with her, and that was explore freely. And eventually, you discovered that there's more to the Feywild than just, you know, traveling packs of satyrs and little huts and tree villages. There were towns and cities and civilizations. And as soon as you learned about that, you had to go chase them. And despite Veronestra's concern, uh, you managed to slip away from her a few times to go see what was out there. And among the things you found was a modithelion, 
where you were almost immediately pickpocketed by an owl, Eric Okra. Uh, you caught him, thankfully, uh, but instead of getting into a fight or turning him into the guards, uh, he bought you some drinks and you two settled your, uh, your little dispute and actually ended up friends. And this was Mr. Beckett Berenger, who became practically your brother. Who? He, exactly. He saved your life so many times and you his. I know, I caught it. (laughs) Uh, But basically, you guys just charmed the heck out of each other. Um, And after knowing each other for a little while, Beckett introduced you to Tristan Kepler. And basically told Tristan that you could be useful in a similar way to himself. Uh, After months of proving, because you were interested in this new uh, adventure, Tristan decided to let you in to the Jade Street Crows. Uh, You and Beckett were paired together right away because you already worked well together. Uh, And your talents were charm and distraction and working wonders in making deals, uh, getting people into and out of trouble. And you spent a lot of time also working together with Gwyn and her inner circle as you began to get to know them. Uh, It was in 492 that you had your first real brush with death, at least in the Feywild, uh, when you all ended up in a huge fight with a rival gang. And uh, I don't know if I gave you this memory or not. I think I did. Um, But it is spotty because some of it's head trauma. Um, You remember being nearly killed in this deal gone wrong and Tristan having to carry you away on his shoulder, uh, keeping you alive with magic long enough to get to the safety of the break. There's a very specific image etched into your mind watching your blood and his run down that red leather coat. Um, As well as the taste of bourbon from Tristan's flask as he tried to keep you going long enough for Beckett to get to you. Uh, this was also the same year that the Crows began warring with the Fomorians. Uh, and the same year that you managed to save Tristan's life for the first time, when he was nearly killed in a huge magical firefight with the Fomorians. Uh, basically, you two were huddled uh, in cover when a massive explosion went off and Tristan covered you, uh, shielding you with his own body. And you had to drag him away for Gwyn to be able to get to him. And he would not have survived if you didn't do that. Uh, by the time he recovered, you two had been working together so long and had saved each other so many times that he began referring to you as his brother. Uh, In 493, Tristan managed to strike a peace deal with the Fomorians, uh, with your Beckett, Gwyn, and Sala's help, drawing clear territory lines and making agreements as to what the Crows and Fomorians could and couldn't do around each other. Toa joined the Crows, becoming a powerful bruiser and one of your regular partners and bodyguards. Uh, She was young and energetic. She loved how theatrical... Christmas was, and all of his stories, and she even learned to play an instrument to try to impress him. Uh, And while Christmas was still visiting 
uh, Veronestro regularly, she began to plead with him uh, this particular year to come back to her for good, uh, citing danger. And uh, he refused to leave his found family, instead splitting his time between the Crows and Veronestro a bit more evenly. Late in 493, Christmas would have begun to notice tension between Sala and Tristan. Being close friends with both, he tried to hear both sides of the story, but Tristan didn't want to talk about it. Sala took comfort in Christmas's company, and their friendship deepened. Uh, neither would admit it when more serious feelings began to blossom. 494. Tristan began to get more territorial, more possessive, more easily angered. While still on good terms with Christmas, his relationship with Sol and Gwyn began to strain due to his unwillingness to explain what was wrong or why he was so tired and stressed all the time. Early in the year, so alienated by her husband and falling for Christmas, Sala gave in and kissed Christmas for the first time after a close escape from a crooked noble. They were able to fight their way out of a trap thanks to their fellows and ended up in some catacombs below the city till Ross gave the all clear. Covered in mud, blood, and dust, and still uh, scared half to death, uh, Sala kissed Christmas. And they didn't speak of it for a long while. Uh, a long while, and then eventually agreed to leave it in the past as a one-time thing. Later on, however, Christmas came to Sala with flowers and wine while Tristan was away to Atlaren, and the pair simply talked. For months, they had a secret, quiet courting romance, nothing more serious. In 495... Wanting to be honest with Tristan about falling out of love with him, Sala asked Tristan for a divorce. When she returned to Christmas later, she was incredibly frightened, but unhurt at this point, telling Christmas that Tristan had lost his temper and didn't want her to let her go. When Sala tried again later, it got violent and she ran to Gwyn. And Christmas soon heard about and saw the bruises. For the remainder of the year, Sala stuck to Gwyn and Christmas, rarely accompanying Tristan or even sharing a room with him anymore. Gwyn and Tristan's close bond shattered over him raising a hand to Sala, and their arguments nearly got violent on several occasions. Tristan and Christmas's brother brotherly relationship fell apart and the two got into a massive fight about Tristan turning dark and harming his own wife. Christmas told Tristan how disappointed, how heartbroken he was, and Tristan went silent for a while. Uh, Sala and Christmas's relationship eventually grew into a serious affair in the months following the fights with Tristan, but remained secret save for Beckett and Gwyn as their most trusted confidants. A few other members of the Crows eventually began to figure it out, but secrets were safe because you all were a little uh, close-knit family who trusted each other and understood that Tristan was dangerous. In 496, Christmas, Toa, and Beckett became an official trio, always working together, watching each other's backs. Uh, the two men saw Toa as their little sister, even though she was the muscle and could even hold her own against Gwyn. 
late in the year, in the midst of a dangerous set of missions to move residuum and illegal items, Christmas and Solemn made their plan to escape the Feywild together, with money skimmed off the crow's earnings. With one final haul, they intended to flee and for Gwyn and her inner circle to follow bit by bit to keep secrecy. Ideally, they would form their own little gang or business elsewhere and leave Tristan behind. But when Christmas didn't show up to meet with Sala and the break was raided, everything went wrong very fast. Christmas, who had been on his way to meet Sala with what they needed to escape, was pulled away by Varanestra suddenly. She tried to keep him in their garden, assuring him he'd be safe and happy there. Realizing that something was very wrong, Christmas managed to escape to go back and help the crows. At the same time, the Amadathelian guard took down the break and killed four crows, one of them being Toa. Her elder brother Tane saw her fall and immediately uh, blamed Christmas for not being there to back her up. After the crows regrouped at another safe house, Tane was in a fit of rage, and as revenge for what he saw as a betrayal, he told Tristan directly that Sala and Christmas had been having an affair for a long while. Gwyn's inner circle was forced to flee and had a brief skirmish with Fomorians chasing them at Tristan's command, though they didn't know how or why. Little did they know, Christmas was close by and was caught in the crossfire as the traitor crows, traitor being in quotes, uh, were pinned by Fomorians and the combined forces of Tane and Irahim. Christmas was badly wounded by Fomorians before being shot twice by a Fomorian sniper, which also lost him two fingers. Uh, Varanestra was able to pull him away to the garden again, where she desperately tried to mend missing fingers and lost blood. Titania came to watch her struggle, chastising her for being so attached to a mere mortal and someone who would never be hers anyway. Christmas died in Varanestra's arms that night, but awoke in the morning healed and whole. Uh, when he bolted up to go find Sala, Varanestra tried to stop him, but couldn't do so without risking harm to the still fragile Christmas. When he kept struggling and pulling away and fighting, she attempted to wipe his memory of Sala altogether. But between high emotions, powerful magics, and Christmas's dedication to Sala, the spell went awry. It began eating at all of Christmas's memories in the Feywild slowly, even those of his love for Varanestra. In a fit of desperation and rage and realizing what had happened, Varanestra declared that no one else would have her Chris, and he blacked out. He awoke later, lost in the forests and mountains of northern Garrett Eldathos. He was not alive or awake to know how he got there, or he was not awake to know how he got there, uh, and was missing five years of memories from the moment Varanestra took him to the Feywild. That is the extremely condensed version I'm sure. of what you get back. And there's another thing you get back. Things from other modified memories that happened before. Oh, God. Because you had a question that I'm very glad that you brought up recently that I was planning to tell you anyway. Why was Hearsome clipped out of Christmas's memory? Why did you not remember his name or anything about Lorcan? This was actually done by Hearsome himself in 494. 
Christmas visited the Sealy Court with Varanastra to see the Banja tree, the anchor tree of Senna in the Feywild. And Christmas had the good, bad luck of stumbling upon here some talking with Lorcan, the false Lorcan you would now know, uh, about plans to sneak Fomorians in at night to survey the tree and court grounds. Here's some caught Christmas, knowing that he couldn't get away with just killing you. He wiped your memory and walked you back to Varanestra with a very friendly warning to be more mindful of where you wander. Keep your pet on a leash. Yep. Cool. Well, that's all overwhelming. Yeah, that all happens in a split second. Yep. So, uh, what what happens after the magic falls away and Christmas gets these uh, memories back? Um, I don't even know if there's concrete words I can put together to explain uh, how Christmas feels. Mm -hmm. uh, regarding this at all not yet um, because I imagine like you you get all this stuff back that you lost and it's not just like remembering that you watched a movie it's like it's no. remembering actually experiencing these things so um, he's just overwhelmed right now mm -hmm. just overwhelmed yeah as you kind of come back to yourself still reeling from just feeling like your brain got an expansion onto it because you have to go through all this shit uh you can feel morgan holding on to you like holding you up by your arms um, all, all the stuff is gone what all the stuff is gone. Yes, it's all fallen away. Um, and uh, those of you looking on, uh, Christmas, tell us what color Christmas's eyes are. Now. Well, yeah, there's actually a few things that have changed. Uh, yeah. So due to the veneer of the Sealy Court, not veneer like Marin veneer, like veneer like brick veneer, uh, the veneer of the Sealy Court being lost you see sort of what 10 years of constant stress have done to uh, a man in his early 30s. Uh, so his hair is actually a little bit longer, as is his beard and his mustache. But you can clearly see, like, this ring of gray from his temples down the edges of his beard um, that has started to, to, to fill in on his cheeks and mustache and, and temples. Um, and for probably the first time ever for everyone here, uh, you see his pupils, uh, because his eyes are no longer pupilless and one gray, uh, one green and one blue. Uh, one of his eyes is actually regular. Uh, his left eye is just a sort of a striking hazel color, um, sort of this like very, very pale amber with flecks of almost like a maroon and, and blue in there. And his right eye is this vivid 
glowing uh, violet. Still has a pupil. Like, both pupils are there, but the right eye now is... They, they no longer are a symbol of his pact with Veronestra. It is yeah. himself Mor- and Morrigan. Exactly. Morrigan has given you back some of yourself, but the glamour of the Seely Court has fallen away. So Christmas looks older. Perhaps the age he should actually be. But as you are sort of recovering and the whole hall is silent seeing this change, um, Morrigan, who has you by like your upper arms, she sort of slips her arms beneath your own and pulls you in against her, letting you like lean on her because she, she recognizes the look of a man who's about to collapse. Um, and as she pulls you in, She sort of presses your head to her shoulder and you hear her very quietly say, thank you, Mr. Fortuner. You don't know the kindness you've done for me and my boy by aiding us in this eternal fight. I don't, I don't have the words. To describe the gratitude for what you have done for me. But they will come at, at some point. For now, I think it's best that you take a moment to consider all you have relearned. And you see this look of knowing in her eyes. Like, she doesn't know everything you've just learned, but she knows that a lot of stuff just got broken. Um, And she very carefully wraps uh, an arm around your shoulders and she reaches a hand out towards Sala, who is very quickly on her feet and comes up to uh, sort of wrap your arm around her shoulders and take you to a seat. Um, And Morrigan turns uh, to look at the rest of the crew uh, and she says... If you all don't mind, I think he could use a little bit of taking care of for a while. Uh, There is a lot to process, and I will give him ample time before I start asking for things or we start getting into trouble. And she turns to the rest of the hall, and she says, My friends, we welcome another into the garden. Mr. Christmas Fortune Mayor, and there's applause goes around and cheers as people are excited for this new person with all of this potential. She says, we must all be vigilant for his sake and he for ours, but take care of him, look after him as one of our own, and prepare yourselves for the Court of Reckoning to re-emerge into these broken worlds very soon. And as things start to calm down, Christmas, because I'm not done torturing you, um, I got a little thingy for you. Oh, God. What? You, you have hear. a little thingy for me? This session? You no hear. way. 
This is a totally, I'm naming this episode Merry Christmas. Um, So you. Happy holidays. Okay. It's happy holidays. No, 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 no. You hear uh, a bit quietly at first in your head. So this is it, is it? The final insult. Do you really hate me so much for taking you away from a life of mundanity? Or is it because I tried to save you from that horde of awful creatures that betrayed you? Or is this all because of her? Because I wanted better than a disloyal urchin turned common thug for you. You are worth so much more, Christmas. You are a rare sort. A human who understands the Feywild in its many parts. A man who can tell a story with such zeal, such drama, that it becomes the words of a spell. An ability mortals rarely cultivate, and only a handful ever master to the depth and breadth of the Fey as you have done. And yet, despite your rarity, despite your worth, you keep cutting yourself down to the level of these people if you can even call some of them people anymore. You make their nonsense your problem when there are greater things at stake and a greater place for you. I will not pretend that the Celia are perfect, myself included. That is a delusion held only by my mother in all her infinite wisdom. But for you to actively choose lesser, I don't understand you. I don't understand you at all, Chris. What can these mortals offer you? What can Morrigan offer you that I could not provide? I can only guess she's talked you into dying for her little crusade, her so-called reckoning. It's all nonsense, Chris. It's the efforts of a mad, cruel goddess to play her little games against her equally mad enemies. And you just became a pawn. You will never mean as much to her as you do to me. Never. You could have lived centuries with me, exploring every corner of the Feywild and penning thousand stories. But you have chosen, against all logic, to resign yourself to a short, painful, meaningless existence. For the sake of what? Some ridiculous mission? A girl who proved twice that she will leave her partner for someone prettier with a silver tongue? But then again, I'm sure that just like back then, you will perceive everything I say about her as an insult instead of cold fact. She is not worth you. Ten of her isn't worth you. Chris, it's not too late, you know. If you call for me now, if you let me shield you from the fetters of reckoning and Morgan's madness, and you send that dangerous girl away, I would forgive everything. I would shield you from these horrible, broken worlds. <laughs> You need not worry about them ever again. So what if Sav breaks the Demiware? So what if the Fomorians destroy Senna's tree? It is only the problem of the gods. 
And if the demiweb breaks, they can come sweep in and fix everything themselves with their precious little chosen, like your friend Fushrag. And certainly my parents will have to actually do some work and look after the realm's borders again with the demiweb open. But that isn't my or your problem. You are mercifully too small for gods and most archfey to care about you, save for myself. And I am thankfully minor enough in the grand scheme that I can simply walk away. Think about it, Chris. Centuries of exploration, song, and story, safe at my side without a care in the world. Why would you choose less? I Am I not everything you could possibly need and want? God, this chat has gone wild next to me. Um, where else would you find the love so eternal, so powerful, and so very willing to bend the world around you for your joy? What could Sala possibly offer you other than trauma, danger, and guilt? All I ever asked of you was love. I don't understand you anymore, if I ever did. So you have today to make your choice. I only think it's fair to warn you that if you choose the reckoning, I will no longer protect you. And when, not if, Tristan Kepler turns on you again, or Sala leaves you for someone more handsome, or Sal finally comes calling for your head. You're on your own, darling. And that's it. Probably too quietly for anyone else to hear. But I just will look around at everyone, at the party, Gwyn, Morrigan... I even probably imagine that, like, just due to the nature of the amount of creatures that are in here and the headspace that Christmas is in right now, he probably even sees, like, some sort of image of Lorcan and Jasper seated in attendance here. And then he'll just look at Sala and just kind of under his breath just go, I am not alone. She, she has been close by your side, and she sort of leans into you and she says, "No, you're not." That's it. Um. Yeah, things quiet down and people begin to file out. And uh, you watch as all this water and sort of plant matter that was used in the spell begins to sort of sink into the floor and evaporate. And uh, the stone basin is moved away. And uh, as we are getting to the end of our time, I have one more thing and it's not for Christmas. Uh, Come on. I'll give, I'll give him a break. I'll give him a break. Uh, but uh, Noah. Oh, God. Uh, I knew it was going to be me. I just <laughs> unmuted myself because I was like, it's going to be me, isn't it? Uh, you feel uh. a claw tap on your shoulder. 
a very large claw. Oh god. Shit. Um can I see it on my on my shoulder? Yeah, you see um these hooked long claws and this thumb that bends in a weird way and has an extra long like talon on it. Uh mm. the pads of the hand are red, but there's like white fur covering the top. I uh very gently like lay my hand on my gun and turn around slowly. And you see behind you, very close behind you, the face of a fanged Oni mask. Uh, and this tall, tall, thin oh, no. creature that is slightly hunched over and he laces his hands together in front of him. Uh, he has this long tail with the touch of the end. Known. And he has these <laughs> raptor-like feet and this living Oni mask grins at you and moves as he speaks. Uh, as this strangely tiefling-esque, but not quite creature, uh, says, Good evening. Are you Mr. Barago? Uh, yeah? I believe this is yours. And he pulls out a box and hands Ooh. you a... Uh, it brings out this box from what is clearly a, uh, a bag of holding... And he sort of dusts off the top of it a little bit with like his bluish like robes. And uh, you see it's this white box that is wrapped very carefully with a blue ribbon. And it says, Mr. Barago on the side. Oh, uh, is, uh, uh, what is this? You ordered a mask, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, sorry. Didn't expect it here. Uh, didn't expect it for a few days. Didn't it has expect been, you. It has been many days. Oh, oh perfect. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, do I owe you oh, anything no. for it? No, but my friend has already paid for it. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah. I get okay. a German accent. I'm just going okay. to creepy English. Uh, why can't you just do it? You can be like, oh, yes, oh, here's oh, the yeah. uh, Because it's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. Um, I- I'll try to do German English. It'd be great. Excuse me, I dust all the gingerbread off the box. Yes, okay. Yes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> you um, wanted a mask, didn't you? Yes. Good. Um, There's some stencil yeah. in there as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I my will my cook up. also made you some cookies. Mm-hmm. I thank thank you. Uh, I will hold out my hand and be like, I'm Noah Nicholas Nesmibarago. I know. And he takes your hand. (laughs) This giant giant clawed hand. He says, I am Lord Dietrich Arnulf of Gordon. Oh, hey there. Um, Yeah. So uh, I'm going to open the box and look at the mask. Uh, opening it up, um, you tell me what it looks like. Yes. Uh, so it is uh, it is black leather, I would imagine. Um, enough to where it can flex while it's moving. Uh-huh. Or while if I like spoke underneath it, it would flex slightly. I'd imagine there's a, actually a the gap between the it does that Oni thing where like there's the two sets of fangs, the ones going up and yep. curling out and then the ones going down. All the teeth are sharp. And the mouth is apart just slightly so that there's a gap in there. Um, and I would say that, yeah, it has like the big nose and the deep crevices and like all the um, 
the like design work that they do on the nose and on the cheeks so you can like see the spirals and stuff yeah. uh it has all of that and i would say the the strapping on the back of it is a little bit more complicated so like once you put it on like it's pretty tight and it's not yeah. gonna go anywhere um but yeah and it stops like just below the eyes uh and so it's solid black and then i'm like that maroon color so that should be interesting oh um, so it's like a lower face mask yeah like, it's a lower face nice yeah. and i would say the jawline actually like it goes under the eyes and it lifts up so that it hits like the base of the horns mm-hmm. and so it almost looks like it's connected nice um so i'm gonna look at him and be like i oh, thank you very much for this because i'm going to uh i've got some ideas for this mask that are going to give me some uh some very interesting abilities. In bed. No. Nope. Definitely nope. not in bed. Wouldn't be good for bed. Nope. Not at all. To, to uh, be. Yeah. But, uh, in the future, can I, is there a way for me to, can I send you like a scroll or something if I uh, maybe need another one? He reaches into the front of his robe and he withdraws a golden card. Oh, a business card. That actually reminds you of what Walter uses, and he hands uh-huh. it to you. He says, anytime. Perfect. I will tuck that in my thing. Be like, it's good doing business with you, and if this works out, maybe we can set up some sort of agreement between you and the Triple B. Oh, I already have one. Oh, okay. Well, next time you see Ma, like, tell her hi. Um, she probably wouldn't mind that. Yes, I've invited her to the reascension this coming Oh! Are you going to be hanging out here? Do you have a room? Hotel room? I And he points behind him, and you see that in a sort of back corner, there's a collection of very strange people. Like, (laughs) there's one that's like a drider, which is a half spider, half person. There's a Kanatar who's a Shiba Inu. Oh no. Um, there is a <laughs> They're small... doing the food for the Ascension. There, there is a tiny blue kobold who is in a very smart suit. Yep. Um and oh there is I remember uh, he was cute. There's another Kanatar, a Doberman in like black and gold armor. Uh, and there is a half-orc woman with a very nice, like, mm-hmm. uh, Edwardian dress and hat with a big feather yep. uh, with a clipboard. Um, oh, that's important. And uh, yeah. you see you see that uh, the little kobold is holding this key in his hands. Um, he says, I am staying in my uh, pocket room, uh, the border oh. hole. Cool. Come visit uh, sometime. I mean, I'd love to. I'm sure you've got lots of cool stuff in there. Oh, yes. Considered we almost died at Marin's wedding. Um, <laughs> Question. Since yeah. you are a Barago, do you like cake? I mean, yes. Do And he walks away. <laughs> oh, I will mention that my huh? friend over here and I point to Foostrock and be like, he really likes cake with cows on them. <laughs> Noted. Zuka, and you hear the cancer go, I heard! Yes! Cake! Cows! <laughs> cake! Cows! <laughs> Indeed! <laughs> Indeed! That's Zuka. 
I've been waiting to bring him back. For oh so my long. god. We did you guys hear about the dire waffle that we had to fight? <laughs> and like every time you stabbed it, it was just syrup like spewing from yeah. the inside of it. <laughs> and it ate a cobalt. That was a cobalt. my wedding. It was, so that was, that was my wedding for your wedding. We almost almost got like eaten by a giant mushroom tree on top of that. Uh, yeah. Harris, you tried to say something at one point. What's going on? Yeah, what were you? So, can we? We, we're hearing this conversation, oh, yes. right? Yep, you yeah. see this. She's a real thing. Yeah. So, so there's. <laughs> He's real. Some, He's not a hallucination. There's something that was said that's concerning to Fustrog. Yes. Which is, it has been many days. Yes. Fustrog would like to take a look at the conduit of glass. Uh huh. Because that has a one month at Lauren time recharge. When was the last time you used it? I used it on Turin 21st. Because we have no idea how much time has passed in at Lauren. No. Last we knew it was DF 7th when for us it would have normally been uh, DF 3rd. Mm-hmm. Well, yesterday I ordered a mask and he said it would take five days for Arnolf to appear in the Feywild. So it's been at least five days. But Arnolf yeah. also said it has been many days. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. If you look at the conduit of glass, it is recharged. <gasps> Fuck. Uh, guys, we have a problem. We've been here for at least a month in at Lauren time. What? That's not true. Uh, yeah. It's been like three Um, weeks. Uh, yeah, we've been here for the better part of a month at Lauren time, at least. Fuck, fuck, fuck. uh, 22 days. I look at my watch. Does my watch keep at Lauren time, or does it, is it fucked up now because of the Feywild? It's fucked up. Okay. Really? Why would it be fucked up? Because you're in the Feywilds, and it's a normal watch. Yeah. Yeah, but it it works on like clockwork. It doesn't well, work but on. The, that's yeah, but the a thing, second though, in the Feywild is, it... is not a second yeah. in the Lauren. It is yeah. relative to the time and space it is in. Uh, it is actual okay. time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You will actually notice that when time compresses, your watch doesn't speed up with it. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So it's totally fucking worthless in this place. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I'm gonna um, yell out to everybody. We've been here for six hours. <laughs> I'm gonna yell out. <laughs> I'm gonna yell out to like everybody in the rooms. Like anyone, no sending anybody at all. I Arnold raise my hand. Raises a hand. A very okay. Hand. Well, Christmas, you just had your shit rocked, so I figured you wouldn't. Oh yeah, Christmas, <laughs> you're you're done. You're done for the day. Yeah. None. So sh- shut the fuck up. I turn to Arnolf and I'm like you. Yeah, and I describe my dad. I go, can you send a message to that guy? Possibly. Great. <laughs> I love this man. <laughs> I so love much. and hate him. He's so oh creepy. Oh my god, he's he so is good. really he's creepy. Worse. He's so. Uh, I'm going to say you really watch fun. as as you're speaking. Arnulf just leans in. <laughs> uh, um, can I hear you doing this? Yeah, I'm not being quiet about okay, it. Okay, I'll cast Disguise Self so I look like her dad. So that yeah, they go, he like knows him. what he looks like. Just ask him what uh, it learned. <laughs> it learned. Uh, 
Meg, do you alive? It's been 20 years. <laughs> I would like you to send a message to him that essentially says, uh, sorry, we, we're in the Feywild, we lost track of time. How are you? Is everything going okay? That's all. This is Magda. Not what day is it? Okay, fine. What day is it? <laughs> I... What day is it? Are you okay? I'm mostly making sure he's okay. Mm. Is that all? Yes. And he stands back up, which, by the way, Lord Arnolf is seven feet when he stands at his full height. Um, But as he draws himself up to his full height, uh, you see him, like, bring his claws across and these, like, trailing lines of light follow as he casts this spell in a way none of you have ever seen sending cast like normally it is a circle with runes drawn into it he is like creating a like an image in front of him that if you look at it long enough you can actually see he is almost like drawing hector um and then he begins to put in like bits of runes here and there that are worked into the image itself and then he sort of dismisses it um, as he speaks your message, um, and he folds his ear, he, he steeples his fingers and just thinks for a moment and waits for a response. And then begins to speak and says, he says, first of all, it is DF 22nd. I was supposed to meet my wife a day ago. Wait, what, what date was it when we left? DF first. DF first. Oh, fuck. It's been four weeks. <laughs> and what, three days? Right. In the no, four yeah. weeks and one day. No, in the Feywild, it's been what, three days? Oh. Four days? Three days. Three it's four. been like three or four this is day. This is day four, I think, in the Feywild. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Okay. And then... Yeah. Then what does he say? Um, says, uh, uh, he says that everything is going very well in Hjolmenia, and uh, he has begun uh, working uh, with a local cobbler, and is very excited about the future and uh, potentially opening a shop there. He would like to stay there, he says. Oh, fuck. Okay. He also says that he loves you. (laughs) It's weird when he says it. (laughs) He loves you. Uh, (laughs) I love you, my Can you send another message back to him? Yes. Okay. Say, uh, thank you. We hopefully won't be gone for much longer. Uh, Maybe we should talk about this. (laughs) Maybe we should talk about this big life change more when I get back. And I also love you. That's it. He's drawing again. Yep. Um, he sends that off, and uh, after a moment, he tells you uh, he does not intend to make any 
rush decisions. He will wait to speak with you. Um, while you. we're watching, I noticed Boostrock having a full-on cow panic. Of course! <laughs> he, like, leans in and he's like, of course, any friend of Morrigan is a friend of mine. And I, I hand yeah. Fustrak a Vodro scroll. Like, here you go. Let her know. Um, it's not just that. I messaged Jasper before we left. And we ain't heard back. I have a second Vodro scroll. I'll write Jasper, you write your wife. That also doesn't mean anything. Maybe he just doesn't want to talk. I, yes, but it also doesn't exactly bode well. Um, also, maybe he doesn't have the means to... Did you send him a scroll? Uh, I vote him a letter. Yeah, so maybe he doesn't have any money. He can't send you back a message. Well, I also uh, vote my brother-in-law. Okay. And ain't heard nothing back from him. And the letter I vote to my wife, I also never got a response on. So. I mean, can they send Vodro post to the Feywild? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 We've received them. Uh, Also, at least the one from Wayafin is my bad. You should have gotten a response. Oh Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they're all dead. <laughs> I mean, Rasmin and Jasper are, but yeah, no, Wayfin's good. Well, um, there you go. You can. Why don't we try and message them, like sending them? And if it doesn't go through, then or if it goes through, then you know they're they're alive. Uh, we'll we'll do these messages and then wrap up the stream. Okay. Yeah. I also, say I'm just gonna do a. Quick one. Sorry, do you want to go first? I just want to add while I'm falling apart in this chair over here that uh, <laughs> uh, Fustrak, when did you send the letter to Jasper? Uh, I would have sent that on the 25th tour in 25. Okay. Um, I just checked in with Jasper on the 2nd I believe. And he was alive and well at that point so he didn't not respond to your letter just because just because you know he was dead he didn't respond to the letter probably for a different reason but I did check in with him just to make sure that he was still alive I appreciate that Uh, so I'm going to write to my wife okay and it's basically going to say I'm so sorry, we've been in the Feywild for uh, four days and uh, apparently all of a sudden it is DF21 time is weird I I will be back just as soon as I can stay in Constanos Constanos I'm going to write one to Jasper real quick and just be like, hey, uh, let us know you're okay. Uh, just checking in. How you doing? You can reply to this message. <laughs> what day is it? 
two more weeks yeah. pass by in the span. Yeah, of, in yeah, the span. Right. And then I'll send it. Do you guys want to know a fun secret? No. Oh, the scroll doesn't go, does it? No, uh, it does. Oh, okay. Um, I have oh. actually been rolling for how many days pass in Atlaren for each day that you're here. Mm. And uh, thus far, the rolls have been very high. <laughs> I can tell. No um, mm-hmm. But uh, so, way of them answers you back almost right away. Uh, and basically says, that's not a problem. Like, I was aware that something weird was going to happen with the Feywild and time and all that, because that's pretty common knowledge. Um, but she tells you that she is uh, staying in a place in Durham Andros. Uh, it would have been a place that you have been before, which is the Avonfear Wake. Um, and uh, basically, she's just kind of chilling there with uh, um, with uh, Torov. And Valkyrie? Nope. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> nope, she only mentions Torov. Um, that's yeah, that's bad. That's very bad. Uh, but basically, she she tells you that you know there's not a rush for you to get back because she's kind of enjoying sitting still for a second. Um, but when you do get back, she wants to talk to you right away. No rush, but immediately. <laughs> where where is she? Is she in Constanos? It's in Constanos. It's a, a, a tavern in 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 uh, Durham Andros called the Avonfear Wake. It is gotcha. the place you guys met Kenna at. Mm. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. As for Jasper, mm. uh, Jasper does get back to you right away with a these each way if and had her on Vodros Bowl she could send back to you and apparently Jasper has one because he answers you back right away um, and basically apologizes right out the gate for not being in touch with you guys uh, that things have been a little fucking crazy um, he explains that he was able to expedite his travel from Urus to uh, the uh, to the Blue Shore lands and when he arrived, um, his tribe was fighting with people trying to basically raid uh, their burial uh, tombs, their barrows that they protect. Oh. Um, and he has since learned that this is because uh, the barrow sits uh, on the Turisa's. Uh, 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 oh, no ley line intersection oh no um so it is one of the intersections that uh alistair and like braviak would have told you about uh the ones in uh like the one near the origin of the bowbend river um mm-hmm. and so on and so forth but basically people were uh specifically glacier watch rebels were trying to dig in there uh, but he does report that once he arrived and organized everything, they were able to push the invaders out. Um, they suffered some casualties, but not as badly as the Glacier Watch Rebels. Um, and he has contacted Lieutenant Tom for help, and the AMC is actually on their way to reinforce the Blue Shore tribe with the support of Indira Sokolov. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he 
uh, also puts in there, basically asks you to apologize to Fustrak for him, uh, for not answering back. Uh, he, like he said, he's been very busy. Uh, but he also reports that he, while not official, um, being Agra's successor and being the one that fended off this attack, there are murmurings within the Blue Shore tribe that Jasper is going to take Agra's place. He's the king of the kobolds. Well, Agra called himself a king, but the actual title is chieftain. Yeah. Yeah. Frostbolt. I will let Fustrak read it before I wipe the scroll. I'm just going to sit down. I'm just happy to know that they're okay. And uh, I will uh, give the scroll that Wayafin sent to uh, to Noah um, <laughs> so that he has his back. Thank you. That um, I don't really like that. That was a very uh, awful realization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, apparently... My parents are going to be here in a couple of days, too, so who knows how long that's going to take in the regular world. I don't know. It could be the new year by the time that, that they I, get here. Who knows? That actually brings up a really good question, is if you're in at Lauren and there's a date by which you need to be in the Feywild, how do you know that you're going to get there on time? I think they just come pick you up. Kind of, yeah. It's like Enterprise. Actually, you know what? We did that. <laughs> that was told to us. Uh, just so that you guys know, I, I think I said this to Coop, but in the Feywild, um, time is so fucky that they don't measure with clocks. You can almost not find clocks in the Feywild. Um, instead, the only constants that they have, and it doesn't match up with Atlaren, the only constants that they have are moon phases and celestial events. And mm. even though, like, time compresses and dilates, you can still track the moon and the sun. Um, so things are measured in moon phases, uh, in days. Uh, they don't measure years, they measure seasons, because it's hard to tell uh, when a year has fully passed. <laughs> um, and uh, it's very red wall. Mm. Which in scientific terms means that the Feywild probably orbits a black hole. Yeah. Yeah. My God. Black hole. On an elliptical uh, path. Yeah. <laughs> when it gets closer, time gets real weird and then yep. it goes away again. Yep. It's an unstable orbit. Hmm. Uh, but yeah. Uh, the uh, Dune Bive uh, clears out the hall that you guys are in, which is a little Easter egg for people who actually know things about Morgan. Um, but uh, you guys are shown back into the break and to Walter's mansion to some of you to recover, some of you to process, and some of you to f- fuck around. Hell yeah, I get to work on that mask immediately. Okay. I'm terrified. It's gonna be so cool. I'm I'm terrified, but also very excited. I like this aesthetic. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that Do is we have where... the rest of the day to work on it, or is there anything else going on this day? You can work on it for the rest of the day. Okay, cool. That's what I'm gonna do. 
Um, we'll talk that, about it next time. We will wrap up this session and uh, next session, without giving too much away, uh, be prepared for a f- combat. Yep. Yay, we get to fight Varanestra. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the Light that bitch up. Based off of the message I just got, I don't think she's going to come fight us. No, she's just going to come fight you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't um, think that's the case, but we'll see. Yeah. So, uh, being that we did all of our uh, intro stuff up front, let me grab the last things. Uh, so, Thank you for everybody for joining us. Uh, you can catch us on Twitch, 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays. See our VODs and podcasts the following Wednesdays on YouTube, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. We will not be streaming uh, next week because somebody oh, needs right. to brew. Uh, we still don't know if we're going to stream on the 16th. Uh, and then we should be streaming normally on the 23rd. Uh, and then pre-recording for the 30th. So July's a little fucked up. Um, but we've at least got it planned ahead so we know what to expect. Um, so enjoy the break to process all your shit, Coop. Uh, and I will be sending you a bunch more stuff. So... Uh, Look forward to it. I'm basically going to tell you everything you ever wanted to know about Tristan within reason. What about myself? What about Christmas? Oh, yeah, I can. I'll answer any questions you have. Like, you and I are going to have a lot of chats. Uh, uh, And then I will probably work on some letters and stuff for other peeps. But uh, yeah, we are going to head out. And uh, everybody have a good rest of your weekend. Be safe. Don't get shot in the face with the firework. Uh, Keep the hose on. Keep the hose on. Ideally, like, soak your lawn and then set off your fireworks. Uh, Um, It's like 40% of the U.S. is in a drought right now, so please, like, be careful. Can you really call it a drought anymore when it's been happening for years? I mean, no. But still, it's dry as fuck. It is. Okay, let's get the fuck out of here. Bye. Bye. Bye.